down through the ages. An event that captivates the heart of an entire world. This is a night that carries us back to the enchanting world of our youth. Welcome to an all-new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. And it is officially the start of WrestleMania Week, which is coming to you live this Saturday and Sunday from Tampa, Florida at Raymond James Stadium, uh, home of where Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, won their Super Bowl this past February, but I digress. Anyways, it's going to be the first time WWE is going to have fans back in attendance since before the start of the pandemic, so that's going to be very interesting to see. It's going to be streaming live on Peacock. Yes, the WWE Network now exists on Peacock, so that's where you can get all your world wrestling entertainment. Uh, I have purchased it because I'm going to be getting ready for WrestleMania to watch. Yes, I know I haven't been uh, very full-on like insight into wrestling on this podcast, and that's just because... Honestly, the product has kind of like bored me for a bit. It hasn't been very good. Um, I know we got AEW that's been doing some fun stuff. But for the most part, I've kind of just been tuning in and out of everything. I don't know. Nothing has really sparked it. But when it comes to WrestleMania, it doesn't matter what's on the card. Even if I'm super excited for the matches or not as excited, it's still WrestleMania as a whole. And I can get excited about that. So, yes, streaming live this Saturday and Sunday on the Peacock Network, but more about this year's WrestleMania later on in the week when I bring on Brandon McLaughlin, and I will preview that for you towards the end of this episode. Uh, But today we're going to go back in time, folks. We're going to go back 20 years to be exact, because this is the 20th anniversary of one of the most important WWF pay-per-views at the time. Uh, I think it marked the end of the Attitude Era, as well as like the culmination of peak wrestling at its most popularity in the mainstream, I want to say. And again, this is just, of course, from my perspective and my opinion. And that, of course, the show is WrestleMania X7 or WrestleMania 17. Uh, but it was dubbed uh, in wrestling jargon X7. I don't know. WWE or WWF at the time just had a a really fun way of spinning things number numbers wise you know they they did the roman numerals like the super bowl does but then they would do weird stuff like that but now like today's wrestlemanias are just wrestlemania they kind of taken away the roman numerals and the numbers which i'm a stickler for roman numerals it, it makes it more elegant and it gives it more gravitas 
But yes, WrestleMania X7 is one of the most important shows for a lot of reasons, good and bad. And we're going to be diving into that. And I say we because I'm going to be bringing on a buddy of mine who's a very, very diehard wrestling fan. And I've known this guy for a couple of years now. His name is Raul Flores. And we're going to be discussing this show. We're going to be breaking down everything that happens at the event. I'm also going to get some insight into what he thinks is is the legacy of this show, whether it's aged properly. Uh, I know it's a lot of favorites uh, of many, many people. If you go online uh, on Twitter and Facebook, if you scroll through the timelines, everybody always mentions WrestleMania X7 or 17 as one of the greatest WWE pay-per-views of all time. Um, I, on the other hand, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this podcast because uh, while at the time I did consider it to to be probably the greatest show ever, you know, and this is me, of course, going back to my younger youth days uh, thinking that, but having, you know, spent 20 years plus years as a fan and, and having this show grow throughout the years and me having seen other WrestleManias come and go and, and just other events in general, uh, I have a really different opinion now about this show. There's a lot of stuff that I think that has not aged properly or just... Uh, I don't know why everyone makes it gives it such a rah-rah. But that's going to be a fun conversation to go back and forth with Raul on. So I'm going to be bringing him on in just a second. And we're going to discuss the history, the legacy, and all that stuff as it pertains to this one show. So if you've never seen it before, uh, as a wrestling uh, diehard, I definitely recommend it. If I was going to show you know one pay-per-view to, to, you know, to somebody who's never seen wrestling before, this was, of course, had a lot of great characters from that time period, of course, headlined by Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, probably the two biggest names in the history of wrestling, you know, barring Hulk Hogan. But I think, again, in my opinion, I think those guys became way bigger in terms of star power and just overall uh, longevity uh, of how big they are. Um, so, yeah, I would probably show them this event. Um, there's There's a lot to discuss about it in terms of its presentation and, and all that stuff. And we'll get into all of that. So just wanted to do this quick intro and uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Raul Flores will join the show and we'll discuss WrestleMania X7 20 years later. Enjoy the show. Stone Cold. WrestleMania. WrestleMania Live. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. And on the line, I've got a buddy of mine. We're both diehard wrestling fans. Mr. Raul Flores, welcome to the show for the first time, man. I'm so happy that you've agreed to do this with me. It's something I've been wanting to do with you for a long time as far as like a wrestling-centric show. So I'm super happy to have you on, man. How are you? I'm doing good. It's actually an honor to be here. I've been waiting for the call, man. (laughs) episode so and what a way to kick off right wrestlemania week um we're going to be discussing as i mentioned in the intro wrestlemania x7 or 17 for those of you that are not familiar with wwe's jargon did did you find that weird when they labeled it like that i was like what x7 oh okay cool like it would have been a lot of roman numerals if if you're into that kind of stuff which i am (laughs) (laughs) i feel like there's a huge divide between fans who call it 17 and x7 like yeah. the 
cards will call it X7, but oh, yeah. the comments would be like, oh, yeah, WrestleMania 17. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's how you know who the OGs are. Um, <laughs> anyways, a lot of wrestling history that we always like to talk about. We've known each other, what, almost? I mean, we, we both work in the movie theater industry, so time goes by a little faster. I want to say, has it been like almost five years, maybe? Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, and every now and then when we get together, we have to, at some point, when we see each other, uh, talk about wrestling at some point. Even if it's mm-hmm. just for a couple of seconds, we'll always uh, mix it in there somewhere in our conversation. So I knew you were you were perfect for this episode, and I knew that when this 20th anniversary was coming up, I was like, I know exactly who I got in mind for this one. Because I know you talk about this show a lot, um, and it's one that's very important in the history of wrestling and and for me, like also like kind of like the end of my childhood. Was that kind of like the same for you? Cause I was. <laughs> it's a mix of both. Uh, one. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, most people would say it's like the end of the attitude era. Is mm-hmm. the, this is that, that point, but the launch point from this goes into the invasion era or the, the invasion angle. Yeah. A lot of people hate it, but I freaking loved it. Uh, I was a big WCW guy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, we didn't get who we wanted in the feuds. Right, right. It was still exciting to see all that happen. So I'm a little, it's still bittersweet. But X7 is still by far one of the greatest events of all time. Hence why we're here today. Yeah. Um, Well, we'll actually, I actually do want to dive into that invasion stuff. But we'll leave that post because we're going to talk about the show in general and then what happened afterwards post, like the aftermath. Because there's some good stuff that came out of it. And then obviously there was... Oh, there's plenty of bad too as well and, and that's still <laughs> resonating today kind of yeah um but yeah uh I, before we get started on the show though i want you, i wanted to get the audience familiar with you I, to them i always tell them about my love for wrestling and my my wanting to always go back and learn the history and all that stuff um my i guess my origin my birth date as a wrestling fan uh and i would see a couple of shows before 97 but survivor series 1997 is always like that's my birth date like that was my first pay-per-view <laughs> that I ever ordered and watched like by myself. And then I was just hooked ever since like from that moment on. So nice. for you, what was, what's your, your origin, your birth date of, of wrestling fandom? I don't know what the birthday was, but I, I tell everybody my very first memory as just a person, like a human being on this planet is wrestling yeah. and it was SummerSlam 1990. Oh, wow. Okay. Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog in Wimberley. And for some reason, the the image of Davy Boy holding up the Intercontinental title with Brett, with a pyro going off in the background, that's the, the first thing I can think of. Nice. Just in general. And since then, I've been hooked. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you what, sorry, I can't tell you why, I can't tell you how, but the very first memory is that specific moment. That that's an awesome one. I, I love that. Um, I'm actually a stickler for that time period. You know, as I mm-hmm. grew as a fan, going back through the early '90s, like I love watching all that stuff uh, on the network. Uh, you know, the su- the old superstar episodes, and you know, obviously the old pay per views. I'd watch them all. I even mm-hmm. owned them all. I went back and went through eBay and bought a bunch of these on on the original like Coliseum. The big box video that used to sell. <laughs> the home video set. <laughs> oh man, I own all. I own all the big events basically, uh, which were Rumble, Survivor Series, Mania, uh, nice. SummerSlam, and for a moment there, King of the Ring was one of the top five until they got rid of it. But I still miss that pay per view. But yeah, oh man, what an awesome memory! Yeah, um, it was really good. 
I do remember some of that stuff as a kid, but it's like very vague. So that's why I'm kind of consider myself more just I'm a child from when the Attitude Era started, and that's when I that's when I just started full on. But yeah, I have little bits and memories here of of stuff from like the early '90s. But yeah, nice. Well, what did you say your first uh, live event was that you went to? First live event was this is so weird for me, and it's (laughs) it's weird on how I remember it. And it's not, I mean, it's really not funny, but in a way it's, it's weird how I remember it this way. September 10th, 2001. Oh man. Monday Night Raw in San Antonio, Texas, the day before 9-11. And I was like, that's the only reason how I remember it, (laughs) which is, I mean, it's weird, but at least I can remember the date now because of it. So, but yeah, that was my first event. Nice. Nice. Do you remember uh, who was on the card? I do remember The Rock fighting in the main. And I do remember Stone Cold Steve Austin throwing Kurt Angle off the stage. And they did this whole thing where he was supposed to be hurt with the neck. But they delayed it by a week, obviously, because of the events that happened. So it, it was just a weird time. There was all this. It was leading up to Unforgiven, I think, 2001, because it was in September, mm-hmm. obviously. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that invasion angle was full on already. And they had, you had the Alliance versus the WWF at the time. So there was all those storylines going on. So I remember all of that stuff. Yeah. Nice, nice. What about you? My first event was uh, the 1994 Survivor Series. You went to that one? At the I went to that one. Yeah, it was at the Freeman Coliseum. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had like balcony seats. So like we were like way up top. It was uh, my dad. My dad was actually the guy who got me into wrestling. Um, he took me and my sister and we got balcony seats. And the funny thing was, is that not even a row ahead of us, the Hart family were, was sitting right there. What? The entire time, my dad was like, hey, that's that's Stu Hart. And I was like, wait. And granted, I was like five years old, so not that I cared who Stu Hart <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Bret Hart's dad. And so I didn't think anything of it. And then later on in the show, right before uh, the I Quit match started between Bob Backlund and Bret Hart, uh, security came up and they're like, all right, uh, Mr. Hart, like we're going to escort you and the family to the front row so that way you're, you're in the shot for the... Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I got to... Never, I didn't meet him, but like I got to see, like, oh, I'm like five feet away from the hearts. That's kind of cool. But that was an awesome show. Awesome. So I guess, man, WWE still does that to this day because I used to think like they would just sit there the entire time because you know how in NXT they would show you like the next star coming in, but they would yeah, really just yeah. they would really just plant them there for that moment, and then you know WWE would put the camera on them and then they leave. So ah, yeah, interesting to know that they did that as well back then. That's that's awesome. Yeah, did you go to Takeover when they were in San Antonio? Uh, are you talking about when they did the live events at the Aztec, or are you talking about no, the pay-per-view? Uh, uh, takeover? Oh, like the takeover. Oh no, I didn't get to. I did go to the Rumble, but I didn't go to the that Takeover. Nice. Uh, I was the opposite. I didn't get to go to the Rumble, but I went to Takeover, and they did the same thing. Uh, I forgot who was sitting in the front row, but yeah, they brought him out like right before the main event, so that way they right. didn't much pop. And fun fact, like Matt Riddle, who wasn't even signed with WWE yet, was right behind that guest. And you can just see him like doing the thumbs up. Oh, nice, nice. And so the crowd was like, oh, bro. But it wasn't him who got signed. It was somebody else. <laughs> a little teaser for the future. Actually, I did that that weekend. I did go to an Evolve show. It was like at some high school. My buddy yeah, had, yeah. had gotten us tickets for it. I was like, I'd never been to a show like that. And I think it was Matt Riddle. <laughs> and I don't know if it was Matt Riddle and... uh no, it was Keith Lee and 
and Chris Hero in the main event, and the ring nice. kept, the ring kept breaking because they didn't they didn't know how to tie the ropes right. So I was like, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> but it was a nice little fun indie show, and um, he, my buddy, got me more in, into more of that stuff, like the Ring of Honor and the New Japan, which nice. I, I've never like not. I'm not that I'm not a fan of it, but I just never been introduced to it properly. And he yeah, yeah. Me, so it, it's it was nice to broaden my wrestling horizons, uh, enjoying that stuff. So. Yeah, no, that weekend was super fun for the Rumble. Mm-hmm. I saw it at uh, Alberto Del Rio had a restaurant at one time. Yes. And uh, he was promoting it for weeks. He's like, hey, come watch the Royal Rumble at my restaurant. There's superstars coming in. I need customers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? I don't have tickets for the Rumble. Uh, I'm just going to go to the restaurant and see what happens. Worst case scenario, at least he will be there, you know? Yeah. So uh, my cousin and I went. And sure enough, Del Rio was there. Paige was there because they were dating at the time. And little by little, like as the rumble was started, and like a, a lot of the the, uh, the undercard were starting to come in, mm-hmm. watch the rumble with us. So like Titus O'Neil came in, Natalia uh, nice. was there. There was a handful of others. I was like, shouldn't y'all be at the rumble right now? Like it's literally going on live. But huh, interesting. Actually, kind of cool. I think I know where that restaurant was. I think I lived in an apartment by there at some point. I think that was the correct restaurant, but eh. well, it didn't last more than six months. So. Yeah, no, I, that I do know. Um, all right. So we got a little bit acquainted with uh, your history as a fan and whatnot. Are, are you still like currently presently like super into the storylines that are going on right now in, in WWE or, <laughs> or just any type of wrestling in general? I know like I've kind of faded a little bit, but, you know, my, my, my heart is still there overall, but you know, it's been, it's been rough for like the very last couple of years for sure. Oh, definitely. I, I am very loyal to a fault, not just right. wrestling, but as a person in general. And as much as like people bad mouth the product and admittedly, so they're right. Most of the time, like I, I can't give it up. Yeah. in the same here. I always meet people who are like, Oh, you're still into wrestling. Are you a kid? Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's fake, right? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, don't, don't, don't you like Game of Thrones? Don't you know, you the like, Avengers are, yeah. are not real, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, let me have this, okay? You do, you, you, we're good. But yeah, I just never got out of it. And so I try my best to watch it uh, week by week. If not, I'll just catch up on the results online. Uh, there's a couple of YouTubers that I'm huge fans of that uh, they do reviews every week, every show. So that's how I keep track, but I'll do my best uh, to at least watch the pay-per-views, watch every NXT episode. Cause that's personally, that's my show. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as AEW is killing it. Um, NXT is just my thing. It's, it's the perfect combination of indie with sports entertainment. And it just, yes. it hits every box. You, you and me are on the same uh, wavelength as far as that uh, goes. Um, how do you feel about NXT moving to Tuesdays now? It's, it's bittersweet. Um, part of me is like, oh, they lost the Wednesday Night Wars. Like, man, it sucks. Yeah. Um, the other part of me is, is it, it's going to be beneficial for everybody. Right. We're going to be wrestling almost every day of the week now, like for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have more of a crowd watching NXT on Tuesdays and that don't have to choose between Dynamite or t- uh, NXT. You can watch both equally fine. Mm. Um, although I heard that Impact, who was originally on Tuesdays, had to move to Thursdays because of that switch. Oh yeah, I did see them move to Thursdays, and I didn't even think of that. But I think it's gonna be it's gonna work overall, and I think NXT will even become a they can now just more focus on 
them bettering that product as opposed to like, hey, we gotta we gotta counter what AEW is doing on. We gotta put our own special Wednesday show like they're doing, Bash of the Beach mm-hmm. versus whatever Great American yeah. Match or Vengeance. That's kind of the thing I've liked about that NXT has done is they brought back a lot of these old pay-per-view titles like Vengeance and Great American Bash. <laughs> like, I like that. It's just so super cool, which I, Triple H, man, he gets me, man. He knows what I like mm-hmm. and, and the old school stuff. So, you know, I'm with you. NXT is probably the best thing right now. But I love AEW too, so no, they're doing great stuff. Um, okay, let's, uh, so let's, let's get to the, to the main event of, of what this show is all about. Uh, we're celebrating the 20-year anniversary of WrestleMania X7, which was we just passed the date. It was April on April 1st, but I wanted I wanted to do this for WrestleMania week. It makes it much more special and gives it a more big event feel. Um, where did you watch WrestleMania 17 when it originally aired? I was there live. Oh, all right. I was in, Tell I was me about the experience there. Um, I was in the fifth grade and my dad did not tell me he bought tickets. He uh, picked me up from school like early Friday afternoon and he's like, I was like, Oh, what's going on? Is everything okay? And he's like, pack your stuff. We're going to Houston. And I was like, what? So oh, you already knew. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that was my early birthday present. That's but so awesome. We went to access. Uh, yes. the, uh, that was freaking awesome. Got to meet a few peeps. Uh, I met Kane, which was super cool because he was in character the entire time, like nice. he was wrestling attire, uh-huh. but wearing like a WWE New York sweater for some reason. <laughs> um, that was really cool. Um, then Sunday night rolled around and it was WrestleMania. Um, I specifically remember uh, driving to the Astrodome and this was uh, 2001. So the song that, WrestleMania X7 revolves around is Limbiscuit's uh, My Way. Right. So uh, a little bit before the pay-per-view, that album, um, was it Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water? Yeah, one of the greatest album titles ever. Exactly. <laughs> and so I remember driving uh, with my dad to the Astrodome, just having My Way on repeat, <laughs> just pumping myself up. Well, the funny thing is that the next track on that album is Roland, which was the Undertaker's oh, theme. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> those two tracks were on repeat for the whole ride over there. We had the, the stereo cranked up to 11, just jamming out. And it, was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Uh, can you tell me what it was like or how much you remember of? Because um, this was the first WrestleMania to be held in a big dome like that mm-hmm. in this era uh, of wrestling. I think previous to that was, I believe, WrestleMania 8, I believe, at the Hoosier Dome. Because after that, they were kind of like in smaller arenas and then and I was wondering with wrestling so popular, like in mid 1998 on, I wondered why WrestleMania 15 wasn't like in a huge like dome. WrestleMania 2000 could have been easily been in a th- dome because it was, I mean, it was super popular at the time. It was mm-hmm. everywhere. So I was wondering why it took him so long to do that. But what, what was your experience like in, in being in that huge crowd uh, in the Astrodome? To quote The Rock, it was electric. Yeah. It was- it's, it's like, unless you've been there, like you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the crowd was red hot for Stone Cold, um, Texas, home state. Um, but even a lot of the other matches, like uh, which we'll, we'll talk about once we get to them. Like there's wrestlers who are on the card who got pops. And I was like, what? <laughs> they yeah. had bigger pop than some of the main guys. Um, but it was phenomenal. Everyone was into it. Um 
everyone was into almost every match. Uh, there was some, there was some downtime, you know, there were some restroom break matches here and there, but every match card is going to have that. But for the most part, everyone was into it. Um, you can feel it. Like it was, it was so loud that you can feel your, your chair shaking. It was nice. intense. It was really cool. Uh, having been there live and then watching it back, like on DVD, like you showed me off air, um, was it? Could you tell a difference in the crowd reactions? Like I know some of the wrestlers have talked like post, like for some reason they like they don't like working those big domes because they can't hear the reaction because the sound goes up as opposed mm-hmm. to like in a building that's like contained, uh, yeah. in a small arena. So it, it was it as loud as you would watch it on the TV, or you know was it was there a compare and contrast on that? There's definitely a compare and contrast, at least from – I wasn't anywhere, like, near the floor. I was actually towards the top of the stadium. Mm-hmm. At least for me, everything was going up. So we heard how loud everything was going. Gotcha. But, yeah, I've, I've seen documentaries where they're like, oh, yeah, we hate it because by the time the acoustics come back, we can hardly hear. Like, we don't know if we're doing a good job or not. Right. But my vantage point, I was like, oh, man, this is intense. This is really cool. Uh, I've been a fan forever, and I finally got to go to my first WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, uh, which had the debut of Ronda Rousey, and that place was rocking when that match was going on. It, it didn't sound like that on TV. I mean, it did a little bit, but it was nothing compared to the live experience. So mm-hmm. I, I totally get what you're saying there. Like it was just you have to be there and be. I had never been in an audience like that, like that many people. I think it was like 72,000 people. I was like, this is nuts, man. This is. Like, I don't know why I don't go to this every year. Obviously, it's it's a lot of money these days to try to go to Mania. Yeah. But, man, like, if I could go every year, man, and I would tell any wrestling fan who's never gone, like, they have to, for once in their life, have to go experience a WrestleMania, and mm-hmm. at least a WrestleMania weekend. Absolutely. It's it's the end-all, be-all, right? Yeah. I, to me, like, most of the time, even if, like, the matches aren't as well, it's the whole aura of it. I feel like it, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes it's kind of bigger than the Super Bowl. Because sometimes the Super Bowl matchup will be like, eh, it's whatever. But the 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 majesty and the the production value, like n- to this day, nobody can beat WWE in a production, creating mm-hmm. hype videos and the fireworks and set designs and all, like all those little things mattered to me. Like the especially like the set of WrestleMania 17 is just it's it's still like feels so different than all the other ones. Like there's just something about it and it stands out to me. That's yeah, what makes it so- one of those. It's so simple, but yeah. it's, it, it just stands out. That's actually one of my favorite stages, too. It's, it's sure. um, I kind of the, – the one thing I miss about, like, the, the Attitude Era is that every pay-per-view would always have, like, its own special pay-per-view design. And mm-hmm. other than, like, WrestleMania, they all kind of, like, look the same now. Like, it looks like a Raw or a SmackDown. And I'm yeah, like, man, why, I wish they could I, – I mean, I know they have the money. <laughs> it spend, I don't know if it's laziness or just not wanting to go into extra work, but man, like those little, those little details matter to me and they make the events feel a little bit more special. Just give me the backlash hooks. Yes. That's all I want. Is that so hard? Give me the, give me the uh, that, what is it? That electrocution chair for King of the ring. Back yes. In the day. Oh, just man. all these little things, man. I'll even take the SmackDown fist. Yes, give me that. <laughs> they made a cameo last year in the Firefly Funhouse match. It did, it did. So I was like, oh, cool. I just rewatched that Mania. Before. Sorry, I know we're drifting here, but we're going to get into WrestleMania. <laughs> in a bit. I just rewatched WrestleMania from last year and the, the the whole pandemic thing. So they had to adapt and evolve. And I mean, it's 
it's interesting. I don't know how I'm gonna feel about it twenty years later when I watch it back. But I was like, oh, I was entertained by it, and they they tried their best, uh, given the circumstances. Like, did you? Was there anything that stood out for you at last year's Mania? I'm actually starting trying to think of the card. You got the Boneyard match, the two cinematic matches, the Firefly Funhouse match, the Boneyard. That's right. That's right. Uh, I know had... there was some stuff on there that surprised me. That was like, oh, okay, this was a lot better than I hoped it'd be. Uh, um, and then, of course, there were matches that were just like, oh, why did they go that route? Becky uh, versus Shayna. The wrong person won. It should have been Shayna Baszler. Um, well, given how what she ended up leaving for, like, yeah, they should have put the belt on her. That match was actually yeah. good. It was it was kind of short. I rewatched it. I was like, man, that match could have gone longer because they were like beating the shit out of each other. Like, mm-hmm. it was like it was real stiff. I liked it. It was good. It was good. Um, Owens versus Rollins was pretty good. That was good. Uh, Sammy versus Daniel was really good. Um, man, I can't even remember that much after that. Uh, oh yeah, and Strowman won the Universal Title. Both title matches were like five minutes. Like, yeah, <laughs> Goldberg gets destroyed, and then Lesnar gets destroyed by uh, McIntyre. I don't mind. I'm a McIntyre guy, so I like him. A lot. He's grown on me. He's grown on me. Definitely has more personality now. Which, I mean, that that matters a lot to me. Like, it can't just be the wrestling. You you got to have that character too. Which is why I don't feel bad for someone like Cesaro. It's like, man, give me a character, man. Like, I love your wrestling, your swing, and all that stuff is fantastic, but. Give me a character, man. Like something to root behind. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know you weren't the biggest Rollins fan back in the day, so I don't know. Well, that- him, I hate just because I don't know. There's something about him, like <laughs> I don't know. I, I, well, his off, uh, how do you call it? Off-screen antics were kind of like, you know, point me off yeah. last year. But I mean, yeah. I liked him when he was the the cowardly architect that stood behind J and J security. I like that Rollins. I've watched that back. That stuff has aged okay but like the whole the messiah thing is bad when he was a baby face i don't know it didn't work for me and i don't know he almost killed becky's um little run that she was on like when they got paired up but oh yeah well (laughs) that was pretty cringy for a while (laughs) yeah all right let's 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 go back in time though let's go back to 2001 wrestlemania x7 we're gonna break down this show we're not gonna go move for move or anything like that just going to give our general thoughts on this show and, and everything that happened and what transpired afterwards and even in the lead up to it. So obviously a good WrestleMania always starts off with, uh, obviously they usually, they didn't really get into the whole, the America, the beautiful and all that stuff really until the later WrestleManias. I know they did them in the early ones, but this one kicks off with this amazing intro um, narrated by classy Freddie Blassie. Again, I'm all, I used to be super into like, Okay, the WrestleMania is gonna have like the perfect intro. It's gotta, it's gotta feel epic and big, and this one does because it highlights all the past WrestleMania moments. What are your thoughts on the on the intro to X? One of my one of my favorite intros ever. Um, I don't know if it's just the music, if it's classy Freddie Blassie's voice. It's there's something there, and it's so epic that once you hear that first uh, beat, it's like ooh, goosebumps. Yeah. Hey, like I'll, I'll, when I'll rewatch X7, uh, I try to watch it at least once a year. Still get goosebumps anytime that video package comes on. And that's one thing that I give uh, WWE credit for is they know how to make video packages. And even to this day, like they'll surprise me. Um, whether it's for one of my favorites recently was uh, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30 when they did, uh, was it Imagine Dragons? Yeah, Mon- the Monster. Yeah, it was so good. Beautiful video. They. Yeah. 
I'll give it, I'll throw out another one. They didn't use it on the pay-per-view, but they used uh, Running Up That Hill by Placebo uh, to build up Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. It came out like on a random Raw when I was rewatching and I was like, this is fucking amazing. Where, how, did I <laughs> how did I miss this video all these years? But I think around 2008, 2009, I was kind of like not watching Raw regularly. So mm-hmm. when I saw it back on the network, I was like, holy, where was this all my life, man? Like that really rejuvenated my my love for these promo videos. But yeah, the classy Freddie Blassie narrating just give, makes it feel more epic. Uh, I still think his one from WrestleMania 15 is a little bit above this one, but it, it's top three for sure. Like it just, mm-hmm. it sets the right tone. Like it, it, it separates all the other shows, right? Because there's mm-hmm. like so many pay-per-views now in wrestling, but WrestleMania has to stand out. Like you have to make it feel bigger uh, than the entire earth. And uh, yeah, the intro is just, just right with, you know, shots of Shawn Michaels. You know, they always show that classic him sky sky riding through WrestleMania 12 on his way to the ring, you know, Austin winning the title with Mike Tyson holding his hand up Hogan and warrior or him slamming Andre, like all these classic moments. I love when they always throw that. It doesn't matter if they do it every WrestleMania. It never gets old. How about you? Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. I a hundred percent agree. Even the, the Yokozuna throwing up the WWE title. Yes. Uh, and I was like, yeah, it's very random, but yeah, I get it. It's canon, but it works. <laughs> it's, a, it's a worldwide thing. I, yeah, by all means. So I like that, yeah. So not only is uh, Blassie narrating, but it's going through like all these different parts of the world and just basically saying like a WrestleMania is like just a worldwide event and everybody tunes in at this one point. So yeah, thumbs up, wait, thumbs up. That has aged perfectly. Uh, any more thoughts on the intro before we move on? It's fantastic. Go watch it. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, just give the intro a shot. Search, search it on YouTube, folks. Uh, I found it. It's actually, it's actually the intro of this pod. So that's a little nugget for you, Raul, when you go. All there. right, all right, all right. Um, yeah, you can search it on YouTube. It, they have it perfectly there in high definition. Go watch it. So we open up, uh, obviously, this beautiful shot of, of the Astrodome fireworks going off. It's daytime. So I love it when, re- when you see daylight in a, in a, whether it's outside WrestleMania or inside. I love seeing the daytime shots because you can see the whole audience. And I don't know, it, it just feels different when there's a daytime shot in a, in a wrestling match. And uh, this is the first pay-per-view where we don't have uh, Jerry the King Lawler. We have yeah. Jim Ross and Paul Heyman on the commentary team. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on, on, on their chemistry? And I, I for one, think that they're, they were lo- kind of like a, a more intense version of Gorilla and uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. Absolutely. There was that... That uh, that combo is actually very underrated. Um, they they knock it out of the park. And as a kid, I'm always like, "Oh, where, where's the king? Who's this guy? Why is the owner of ECW here?" But it fits. Uh, like Heyman, like brings that that snarky heel commentator, and so it brings out the best in Jr. It's it's really really entertaining. And you can tell when he gets under Jr.'s skin throughout this show because you just like you know when Jr.'s pissed and and it's great and it works because it's a it's a perfect balance. Were you a dirt sheets guy like during this time or were you still like kind of like, eh, like I just enjoy the show and that's it? I was very much uh, kayfabing it up as as a kid. Um, I don't think I read the dirt sheets. There was back in the day, like at Sunday night on Meta Nine Five Kiss, which is mm-hmm. a station. Uh, there was a guy who would do uh, like like a dirt sheet stuff. Like he'll say like, Oh, uh, so-and-so is being signed to WWF. Look out for him starting blah, 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 blah. I never believed it, but my dad was always like, Hey, watch, uh, like I, um, when Chris Jericho, right before Chris Jericho debuted and the whole countdown promo started happening, 
um, the radio station gave it away. And they're like, hey, oh, it's, no. Like, Jer- Jericho's coming. And uh, me, I'm like, no, he signed to WCW. He's he's calling out Goldberg. That match is going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And no, my dad's like, no, I heard it on the radio station. Yeah, sure enough, it was Jericho. <laughs> that's, that's funny. No, I, I was real dirt sheets or starting to really get into it at the time. So I know you mentioned you didn't know, like, where's the king? But I don't know if you knew what was going on with that as far as, like, why he left. Um, don't really have to get into that. But, yeah, that's <laughs> there, there was some stuff going on with somebody he was involved with, and then they both left so, the company. Some um, personal stuff. <laughs> yeah, But, yeah, having Paul Heyman on there, I don't know, it elevated the show a little bit more. I, I love him and uh, Jesse the Body style of commentary where – they justify sometimes what the villains are doing, but in a way where they, they make the heroes look like hypocrites sometimes. I love when they call <laughs> One of my favorite things with, with Gorilla and Jesse the Body was um, if Hogan would ever cheat or use a chair or something, uh, Jesse the Body would call out Gorilla like, hey, well, how, come, how come it's okay when Hogan does it, but when this guy does it, you know, it's, you know, it's all – you know, whatever, but uh, I love that dynamic. I, I wish they would bring that a little bit more back. Corey Graves does it a little bit sometimes, uh, but I, man, I, I really miss like the villain commentator, like just to elevate these matches more and give the stories more meaning. So, but it was a perfect combination of mm-hmm. JR and Paul Heyman. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to the opening match of WrestleMania. And that's for the Intercontinental Championship. It is Chris Jericho, the champion, defending against the commissioner at the time, William Regal. Uh, what are your thoughts on this match as you rewatched uh, recently? Um, I remember it being super short. Um, when, when I arrived at the Astrodome, uh, we arrived. There was so much traffic just trying to get in there, and there mm-hmm. was lines getting into there. I had to get my, you know, my 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 gear. Right, right. I had to get my concessions items. And so by the time we all sat down, uh, like the pyro just finished. And so the match was starting. And I remember like sitting down, observing the crowd, you know, getting into it. And then by the time I knew it, the match was over. I was like, what? Jericho won already. <laughs> but rewatching it, I was like, oh, okay, this match was kind of cool. It has a, a not so great, you know, lead up to the match, but I get it. It's cool. We got to see Jericho dress as Doink in the lead up to this match. So that's kind of cool. Um. Uh, I'm a stickler Side for intercontinental title matches, so it opening up the show, that was like an A-plus for me. Um, mm-hmm. The match itself is okay. It's a little stiff at times, but that's the way Regal works. Um, yeah. There's this awesome, like, hip-toss throw that I think uh, – I forgot if it's Jericho or Regal does it to the other, and they throw him off the top rope. There's some, like, ni- nice little moments in it. Uh, actually, I have it here open on Wikipedia. We can go by how long these matches were. This match was seven minutes, Raul, but that's not even oh, the shortest man. match on this show. So, and it's weird for for a show that's almost four hours. This was like the one of the first WrestleManias during this Attitude Era where it went beyond the three hour mark. Usually, they're around two and a half hours, two forty five at the most. So it was like an it felt like an old school WrestleMania, like like WrestleMania yeah. six, like all these long WrestleManias, like a bunch of. Like, even, I think there's, what, 11 matches on here. It's like, oh, dude, this is totally old school. That was one of the reasons this this pay-per-view stood out to me. You know, the ring apron was blue. I was like, oh, man, like, this is totally different. Like, hadn't been, like, in the previous Mania. So, just little things that I that I noticed. I don't know if you picked up on, on those things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the, they did the right thing. Like, I don't know. It's it's just a combination of it's its, its own thing from, like you said, the, the, the color of the ring apron. 
the design of the stage. Everything is just so well put together and it adds to the mystique of WrestleMania X7. So a little bit of aftermath as a result. Uh, so Jericho opens this WrestleMania and then the next year he goes on to main event against Triple H for the, uh, at that point, the undisputed uh, WWE championship. Um, mm-hmm. That got overshadowed, but it, I, I, I'm glad that Jericho got to main event uh, at least one WrestleMania during his run. Cause I, to me, he's like a top three, like greatest of all time. Um, and uh, it, so, yeah, him in an intercontinental title match. Match is okay, but uh, to see him retain and win, you, you can't start up a show any better than like a, a baby face winning their matchup against uh, a scumbag like William Regal. What was, the, what was the lead up? Like he peed in his tea? Like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He peed in his tea. Uh, Regal drank it. He's <laughs> Handicap matches against the Dudleys and the tables matches. It's- Jericho dressed up like Doink the Clown at one point. <laughs> like I love it. Silly little oh. antics. It's a I I like feuds like that as opposed to like oh they want a a six man gauntlet match to earn a title shot. No, I like personal feuds where where the guys hate each other and there's like a little bit of bad blood. Obviously, it was their feud continued on after this, but. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It wasn't as bad as WrestleMania 18 where Edge and Booker T fought over a shampoo commercial spot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I would hate to review that show. Don't even start it off. <laughs> and it's weird because around WrestleMania 18, they had a way bigger roster and I would say more talent around that time. And I was like, man. And they came up with a really subpar card, uh, including that one that you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, we, we get like a backstage segment with uh, the APA, which are kind of already like at the end of their run. Again, as we mentioned, this is like towards the end of the Attitude Era. So a lot of this stuff has really run its course, and we start to see that post-WrestleMania with, you know, the brand split and, you know, separating a lot of these tag teams and them trying to go off and do their own things. So we get a back, backstage segment here with the, with the APA and Jacqueline. And, uh, you know, they're just chilling or whatever. And Bradshaw was like all hyped up and talking, giving all these little Texas, like cheap pop, like that he wants to get. I don't know. If you, <laughs> could you hear any of that stuff? Like when you're watching on the screen or how were the, like the acoustics for, for videos and stuff? Could you hear anything or was the crowd too loud to hear any of the packages? The, the crowd was way too loud for any promos. Um, for that, that promo, for example, um, all, the only thing I heard was JB. I'll talk about Nolan Ryan and then, <laughs> <laughs> you can Texas hear icon cheap pop so, <laughs> I'm a sucker for cheap pop so anytime Mick Foley's like right here in Houston Texas I'll, I'll <laughs> so so that's yeah, the next match on this card it's a six man tag team match it's Taz and the APA against uh, another faction that was towards the end of it way towards the end of its run the right to censor which consisted of uh, Bull Buchanan the good father Val Venus and accompanied by Steven Richards. Um, I don't have much to say about this match. It's four minutes. <laughs> like it's, a, it's a total, like, let's, let's get this out of the way. We need people on the card. We need a little filler. Let people go to concessions real quick or go to the bathroom. Um, Taz gets no offense in this, in this match. <laughs> tags in real quickly, gets the shit kicked out of him by the right to censor for like the majority of the match until the APA takes over and, Bradshaw comes in for the win, but I thought this was a throwaway, like, uh, hasn't aged well for me. Like, I feel like they could have, the reason 
and I'm going to play uh, devil's advocate here, Raul. I'm going to be the, the opposite side of the coin. I don't think this is the greatest WrestleMania, although it is in my top three. Um, if you eliminate this match and give more time to like a angle Benoit, which we'll get to in just a second, I think this, this, this would have elevated this WrestleMania just a little bit more in having it aged 20 years later. What are your thoughts on this match? Uh, it, it happened. It was good. Not, not that it was good, but uh, it, it gave me time to go to the concession stand, <laughs> buy some nachos, get a drink, get scared shitless by Taz's pyro. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't it's even remember what the was for this. I don't remember. I think it was just uh, the righteous censor censoring everything and how APA were just uh, uh, cigar smoking, beer chugging. They didn't, they didn't believe in censorship, so just kick some ass kind of thing in terms of a tight show like yeah i would have cut it off but then also i'm that old school guy where if you look at a lot of these old early wrestlemanias there's a lot of throwaway matches i think one wrestlemania has like 14 matches i'm like good grief and i know we got that like recently with these last two wrestlemanias but even then like at least most of those have some sort of build to it uh if you watch a lot of these uh older wrestlemanias there's like no build and the matches are just nothing. I mean, to, to play devil's advocate again, that this year's WrestleMania has literally been put together in the last few weeks. Right. So. It was like right after their last pay per view, I was like, man, when are they going to announce matches? And literally everything was announced. Like, <laughs> it's like, I've been waiting for Owens versus Sammy at WrestleMania for years, but they're literally just threw it like, like no one's business last week. And I was like, right. oh, wow. <laughs> um, next, we got, I think, which was only the second hardcore match to ever happen or the two two out of the three years that they've had a, a pay-per-view match on WrestleMania for the hardcore title. It's a triple threat. It's Raven defending against Kane and the Big Show, who I guess they had no plans for, so they were like, <laughs> throw him here with Raven. Uh, <laughs> uh, why don't you start us off on this one? Did you like this match? I love this match. This is fun. This is a lot of fun. Now, granted, in the stadium, you had to watch this match through the Jumbotrons. Because it all goes backstage, right? Yeah, because it's all primarily backstage. But man, it was a lot of fun. Even watching it back, like on DVD or on the network, uh, this is one of my go-to matches. Like just uh, if I'm doing chores around the house, like oh yeah, I love yeah. this match. Just play it in the background. Is it one? I couldn't hear it uh, when I was watching it back. But did the crowd boo when they left to the backstage? And I know that usually happens when a match like yeah is going on. Absolutely, yeah. They they booed like crazy. I don't know if you can. I don't remember hearing it on the DVD, but for sure in person, yeah, they weren't too happy. Uh, a couple of things I liked uh, during that fight backstage is uh, there's a part where Big Show breaks Kane through a wall. Like he throws him literally through a wall. And then like he's looking at him on the ground and he's like, he's like, you want to play? And he's like, well, screw you. And he's like, choking him. what a random line. But Big Show just, I don't know. Big Show is like hit or miss for me. But here he's like, it, it, it's a comedic match if you think of it. Uh, absolutely uh, and uh, right after he picks him up like he's threatening to choke slam kane yeah. uh, <laughs> and so he's like he puts his arm up and then kane like gets him by the throat and he does this cartoonish <laughs> cracks me up every single time <laughs> oh yeah definitely wouldn't have cut this match this match is is fine for what it is um even the ending the ending's tremendous where i think big show's got raven over his head and Kane comes out. This is obviously all in the front of the WrestleMania stage. And mm-hmm. he gives them a big boot and they all fall. It looked like a bad fall through a bunch of like wooden boards or I don't know what it was. And then Kane does like a huge, I don't know if it, it looked like a leg drop, but it, they called it an elbow, I think, on commentary. That, that, was, <laughs> that was a leg drop. Yeah. 
And uh, Kane wins the the hardcore championship. Uh, he was just uh, teaming with his brother like a month ago at n- the previous pay per views, uh, <laughs> battling for the tag titles. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember the lead up to this or how they got into this feud, but it, it was it's a fun match. I liked it. It's fun. Uh, one of one of my favorite segments about this match is there's a part where Raven tries to get away in a little golf cart. Yes. Um, but he ends up crashing uh, the golf cart not even a few feet later. And the fact about that moment is apparently he was a few inches away from like uh, a bunch of really important cords. Oh that no! And them over the live feed would have been cut out, and so that makes sense. Crowd, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Raven gets thrown through a window. Also backstage, we didn't mention that. That was a lot of a lot of that happened during the Attitude Era. I think Austin got thrown through one of the. It was always the same type of window with that white yeah. background. <laughs> Austin got thrown through one. I know Foley, I think, got thrown through one. No, no, it was The Rock. Rock mm-hmm. got thrown through one of those. So I, I always remember that shot perfectly uh, for that match. Um, yeah, f- fun match. Um, Raven, I think, got bloodied up pretty good in that in that fight. Uh, I think he almost gets run over it also by that golf cart because Kane, <laughs> there's so many golf carts in this match. Um, yeah, no, so that's a fun match. Um, next up, we got a, a classic, uh, European championship match. This one was a surprise to me at the time because I wasn't really a, a fan of test. He had like one <laughs> good match against Shane at SummerSlam. <laughs> Other than that, he's kind of been like, whatever, but here yeah. he's fighting Eddie Guerrero for that championship and test is defending the title. Um, I like this match a little back and forth. Uh, obviously you got the, uh, what is it? Perry Saturn and Dean Malenko helping Malenko to win this match. You know, the typical lying, cheating, the villain doing dastardly things to win the title. But good showing here by Test. Uh, I'm going to, as much as I love Eddie Guerrero, and he would go on to have better WrestleMania moments, but this is a good WrestleMania match for, for Test. Absolutely. Um, I feel like Test was one of those guys that should have been somebody, uh, right. but he just never did. I don't know. Again, this was my kayfabe mind back in the day. Like, I don't know if it's because he didn't marry Stephanie that he didn't get a bigger. <laughs> But uh, I always I was a test guy. Like it helps that back in the day, like if they had a cool entrance theme, I was like, okay, I'm a fan of theirs. Like mm-hmm. well, Regal, we mentioned earlier, I loved that European music that he was coming into, so I was a fan. And test, I, for some reason, I like Test's theme song. So. Test's theme song is good. I would blast that on my WWF Volume Four CD. Yes. <laughs> um, um, going back to Tessa, now that you mention it. You think about it, Triple H intervenes in that wedding between him and Stephanie, but yet the feud goes on to be him and Vince McMahon. Shouldn't the blow-off match, shouldn't it have been with the guy he was who was supposed <laughs> no. to marry the girl? That exactly. made no sense to me. Yeah, like, I, I don't even remember what happened to him afterwards. Like, did he just move on? And... He was just like, he was a, or as Brian Alvarez would say, he was a geek. Like, they just made him into <laughs> nothing. Like, they just didn't push him. He... He never got justice or revenge or anything like that. He would always get his butt kicked by the corporation or not corporation, the McMahon Helmsley era or the regime. Yeah. Always get beat down. Like nothing ever happened with him. Like they could have made him something. Like they mm-hmm. could have made him like this. I don't, I don't want to say maybe the top baby face, but one of the top ones if they had pushed him correctly. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He passed away early. Yeah. yeah. But well, it's, it sucks that. Nobody from that match is alive anymore, actually. Oh, um, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, not not to make this too somber, but yeah. 
Um, but that that's a fine little, again, nice little title match. You know, I think, it, what is it? It was almost 10 minutes. So they, they got a decent amount of time on a, on a show that's really, really long. So, yeah, I was fine with that. Next one, the next one up. This is this is my kind of match, Raul. These are these are my kind of wrestlers. Even though one we can't kind of can't really talk about anymore. Uh, it's Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit one on one, both draped in red, white, and blue, which added more gravitas to it. Mm-hmm. This was a match that didn't actually have a lot of build up to it. It was kind of thrown together last minute. This one I remember the the build for it because. If you remember, Kurt Angle was involved in a lot of the Rock Austin buildup because mm. Kurt Angle was trying to weasel his way back into getting a either a championship uh, rematch or just fighting Austin and Rock on different episodes of Raw and SmackDown leading up to it. And I forgot what it was that led up to him and and Chris Benoit actually interacting and it led up to a match. And obviously, in the backstage segment that we see before the the match airs. Um, it's Kurt Angle going over the I think that that go home raw where he's in the Crippler crossface and he's tapping out. But Kurt Angle's like who had been jokey kind of like up to this point, like a very like, you know, very happy go lucky character, turned it on to like this wrestling machine character where he's like, I never tapped out. It wasn't a it wasn't a real match, so it, I didn't officially tap out. I think Edge and Christian were in that in that backstage segment too. What do you remember about that? I remember uh about the promo. Uh, I remember the promo was very intense. Um, Edge and Christian came in. They were trying to cheer him up because he was being, like, super psychotic. Look, yeah. uh, reading the, the tape from Raw of him tapping out, and Angle just saw Stone Face saying, there wasn't an official match yeah. or an official referee. I didn't officially tap out. So I was like, oh, man, it's, it's a different side of Angle. See, this is where I would have taken the time off that six-man tag Maybe off, <laughs> off, off the China match, which we'll get to in a bit. Give an extra five minutes to Angle and Benoit. Um, I'll let you st- uh, tee off on this match first before I give you my thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. So as great as this match is, it isn't my favorite match between the two. Of course, I agree. Um, my favorite match between the two is uh, Rumble 03. Oh, beautiful match. It's one of my favorite matches of all time, actually. But yeah, this match uh, arguably stole the show. Uh, especially if you're like a catch as catch can wrestling kind of guy. Um, it was top notch. Um, I loved it. It starts off with the grappling and them doing like the very Olympic style wrestling, a lot of holds, a lot of rolling around the mat. You know, you get the crowd pop, you know, this is like the kind of the start of like crowds, like applauding after like they mix it up for just a bit crowd getting into it. I'm like, Oh man, this match is going to break out. And I think it's Angle ends up doing like some elbow to like cheap shot Benoit. Paul Heyman loses his shit. Like, oh, Kurt Angle decked him. He decked him. He turned him into a fight. <laughs> it's like, dude, I love little things like that. And I just felt like this match, it could have been a little bit longer to give it kind of like a, it could, it would have been more memorable. Obviously, we can't talk about it now, or even the company can't talk about it now as a whole. But I think it would have been elevated more with a little bit more time. I think the only downfall was that it was it was a short match, and obviously this would would be the first of many matches they would have that year because they would go on to battle. I think at the next two or three pay per views back to back, and they mm-hmm. had better matches uh, going forward. Post this one, even the one that you mentioned, uh, Royal Rumble two thousand three. Anytime those two hooked up, it was just magic, and uh, I would have loved to have seen them. Actually, it, I mean, if it weren't for Brock Lesnar, I would have loved to have seen those two go at it at WrestleMania. 
19 for that title. That would have been a perfect like main event. And I know Benoit was hurt, I think, during that time too. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the stars don't align and we don't have to get into what happened with, with that, with, with Benoit. But yeah, no, for, for, for the, that moment in time, the way they were decked out, red, white, and blue, it was a classic, you know, wrestler versus wrestler, like real wrestling, like holds and submissions. Freaking love that stuff. I, I, I would love to see and, that come back at some point. Absolutely. And it ended with a roll-up. Like yes. A cheap, <laughs> a cheap <laughs> like, cowardly roll-up, which is, you know, ang- that's what makes Angle one of the best because he's, like, all this intense, like, I'm going to make you tap out and this and that, and then he'll scoop out, like, the weaselly or – how do you, how would you say it? weasel like type wins? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you think back to him versus Undertaker at Survivor Series 2000 when he brings in his brother as a double, like just little little <laughs> things like that that make you angle. Oh, that Kurt Angle, <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> Kurt angle. But no, I, I like this match a lot, and even I think they have a post backstage uh, segment where Benoit puts Angle in the in the Crippler cross phase and makes Kurt Angle tap out again. So. Just a great feud. Great match. Chef Kiss. Really good. Um, now we come to probably the well, – I don't know if it's the worst match of the night. The shortest match of the night. Shorter ma- <laughs> shortest match of the night for sure. Uh, it is Ivory defending the WWF Women's Championship against a returning China who, in story, I think storyline-wise, had injured her neck. So that was the buildup. There was a nice story buildup for it. Um with, you know, China getting, you know, attacked by the right to censor and getting this massive, like, wicked, like, pal driver. And that ended up hurting her neck. And so she was out for a couple of months. And Ivory would be, like, you know, teasing her and making fun of her and all that stuff. And finally she returned. So finally the match comes. And it's like, you're thinking it's going to be, oh, cool. Like, the women are going to get, like, a spot here at WrestleMania. Because I don't remember the women being involved in, the previous WrestleMania or the years before, if not, they were just throwaway nothings, but China brought like, could have brought some more credibility, but obviously there weren't enough women around in that division to kind of like match her style or her China was just a, you know, how do you, how do you call her? Like, uh, she was just like in her own world. Um, but yeah, the match was like a squash, total squash, total nothing. China wins the championship, but uh, I don't really have much to say about this. The intros were longer than the match. Right. <laughs> China comes out with her uh, bazooka pyro cannon. The WrestleMania 2000 gun. <laughs> yes. Uh, anytime I'd play uh, WWF No Mercy on my 64, like that was my go-to intro. The the China <laughs> pyro launcher. Nice. Um, you ready to move on from this match? There's Absolutely. nothing you can say about it. <laughs> Again, this it's been- actually... After this match, that it just the, the whole car, the rest of the car just goes full throttle, and it's just you can't get up from your seat for the rest of the night. Uh, there's one thing there, but we'll get to it. Uh, um, so yeah, so that that let's skip that match. All right, so <laughs> up up next is a uh, a first at WrestleMania. So for its fifth or sixteen years that it had been incepted, Vince McMahon had never competed at a WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he was going to be battling his son Shane McMahon in a street fight uh, with Mick Foley as the special guest referee. This is technically the start of the invasion angle because the lead up to it was Shane McMahon purchasing WCW, 
but there was also other things like Vince McMahon cheating on his wife with Trish Stratus and stuff going on with Stephanie McMahon. This whole drama affair is, is the only way the McMahons can do it. Um, I love the build up to this match. Um, obviously the rumblings of WCW getting purchased, like, oh, does this mean Sting's coming? Does this mean Goldberg's coming? Ray Mysterio, like all these classic WCW names, like this is like the boilings of something. What's going to happen here? Uh, I'll let you start off on this match. Yeah, so this match, <laughs> a lot of people like to joke around and say wrestling is like the equivalent of the male soap opera, and that's exactly what this lead-up to this match is. You have, uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler, saying that uh, Vince and co. were drugging Linda, and that's how he got <laughs> away with all of his nefarious affairs. Right. Um, but also special guest referee Mick Foley. Um, who, fun fact, was actually supposed to originally uh, scheduled to fight Vince McMahon in this match. Like, it wasn't supposed to be Shane versus Vince for the longest time. Really? Yeah. So in December, in December of 2000, um, Vince comes out and fires Commissioner Foley, mm. and, like, kills him, makes him cry. And all that was supposed to be for the buildup to WrestleMania 17. <laughs> I remember that. But um, Foley uh, uh, wanted to keep kayfabe and wanted to stay retired. Um, so he passed on the match. They did the Shane McMahon angle, and yeah, it's we're off to the races with that. What kind oh. of match would it have been with Foley and Vince McMahon? <laughs> I don't think it would have worked. I don't think so either. Because you have to have somebody that's flying around at least, or more athletic. I mean, I'm not yeah, knocking yeah. Foley, but <laughs> no, definitely. Uh, in in retrospect, it's like, oh, I don't know if that would have worked, um, especially because this match is one of my favorite matches on the card. Um, but yeah, it was a fun match. Yeah, right from the get go, it just starts with Shane going, bah, 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 just going off on Vince. I think and, he gets like, a, doesn't Shane get like a, I don't know if it's like a black guy, but you see him like, there was like some real shots being thrown in this match because he's got like a bulging by his eye. Um, it's been done to death, but this is where we really saw like Shane doing the coast to coast with the trash can, him jumping off the, you know, the top of the rope into the announce table, which has been done to death, but. Back at during that time, it was still like oh, that's like one of the most incredible things you could see, like on television. Like Shane flew from one side of the ring to the other. What? Yeah. And then the drama with Trish and Stephanie, where Trish kind of finally becomes like a baby face. She had been like treated horribly in, the, in, in a segment that hasn't aged good at all. Uh, yeah. They treated her like a dog at some point. They were dumping all this crap on her, like just all in the lead up to it was just them treating Trish Stratus really bad and. And uh, obviously Trish brings out Linda McMahon um, mm-hmm. at some point during this match. And even the drama with her works, like where she, she's been like in this sedated state for so long. And then when she finally emerges and helps Shane win, like all like, I remember, it sounds on the DVD like it was, it was crazy. I'm sure it was live, right? Legit. The second biggest pop of the night is Linda McMahon standing no up. Way. <laughs> it was huge. And I was one of them. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, she stood up. She's not drugged. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, we didn't get to talk about the uh, the backstage segment, segment with the McMahons uh, oh, before yeah, this yeah. match, where if you watch it now in hindsight, there's foreshadowing to the main mm-hmm. event uh, because there's a I think Michael Cole's the interviewer and he's talking about like shocking or is it shocking that Shane bought WCW or whatever. And Vince throws a line like, you want shocking? Like, you're going to see shocking tonight. Like, I guarantee tea it and you know i'm watching as a kid and it's like ah whatever like something's gonna happen in this match but 
lo and behold, it, it, it was for something that happens later on in this show, which we'll get to. But yeah, no, yeah. The, the the street fight was uh, it was what it needed to be. Fun family drama, you know, high spots. Foley gets in on the action. Nobody takes a chair shot better than Foley. Mm-hmm. I think McMahon decks him like really good. Like you, and it always to a point where like it looks like Foley's like in in real pain, but I think that he's just a good seller. Um, yeah. But no, I, I like this match. A lot of fun. A lot of shenanigans. It's a total like WrestleMania moment type match, and they still use clips from that from that match to this day. Yeah, they still use the the coast to coast, right? The coast to coast. I think even sometimes the elbow. Um, I think there's always that shot of McMahon coming down like the ramp in that in that colored getup. Just classic shots there. Good match. Um, we follow that up with. TLC two, which is who were the champions at the time? I think it was the Dudley Boys, right? The Dudley, Dudley, yeah. Dudley Boys were the tag team champions. They're defending against Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. Um, we say TLC two because the first one happened at SummerSlam two thousand, the previous August, which they stole the show on that that mm-hmm. event. That was a crazy match to me. That one's still my favorite one, just because of how wild it got. I didn't expect it to get that wild. This one, they amped it up a little bit more. They did kind of a little bit of the same things. They just raised it up to a higher level. And they obviously added uh, Lita and Spike Dudley and Rhino to get in on the mix. Uh, just a whole lot of chaos, a whole lot of fun. Uh, but I'll let you talk more about this match. Absolutely. This is the match that uh, – or this is the the image that everyone remembers the most, aside from the main event of uh, Edge doing the amazing spear from the top of the ladder. It is fan freaking tastic. Um, another one that's a huge pop from the crowd throughout the night is that spear. Oh, um, I can only imagine what that looked like live. Like it was, it was fantastic. I mean, granted, the the majority of the show I had to watch through this giant big screen that was draping from the rafters because the ring. So most of the show, like you're look, are you more looking down at what's going on as opposed to looking what's going up? You know what I mean? So yeah, so I can I can Jeff Hardy more. From a higher distance, are you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm either looking down at the ring and like, a, like a l- tiny people just moving about, right. or I can watch straight ahead and there's the huge jumbotron. Yeah. Yeah. No, that uh, that spear by Edge and Jeff Hardy. That's like the most commonly used like classic image. They they still use it like in commercials to this day. Like, and even in any Edge highlight reel, like that's always like the standout is him doing that mm. spear. And I think when you, when they asked him about it, like I think more important to him was taking care of Jeff Hardy during that fall yeah. more than anything. Because man, I don't know how Jeff Hardy like has taken some of these bumps that he's taken in his career, man, and just like he gets up like it's nothing. It's um, intense. That's one of the few uh, bumps that I've ever seen. I'm like, holy crap! How is he not? How's he still standing? Like he's a huge seller, and it it really really works. There's one. There's one bump that I saw in there when I was rewatching this, and it, it looked really bad, uh, especially like on replay. And it's when uh, Jeff Hardy does the swanton on the side of the ring, and I think he's got like, uh, I think it's Rhino and Spike Dudley. Yeah. Not, but man, like Jeff Hardy, like his ass falls like straight. <laughs> like Spike Dudley, uh, Rhino gets hit on it, but Spike Dudley just gets caved in, and like you see him afterwards, and like Spike Dudley's like checking his, to make sure his jaw. <laughs> It was like I Dudley is one of those that could take a good bump too, like like Foley. Like man, this guy would because he was so small, they would just throw him like nothing. 
Yeah, yeah. He lost a couple of teeth for that, too. For sure. Uh, Lita right. takes some good bumps here. She took a 3D, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> was it her? No, I, I'm not, I forgot if it was her. I think she gives a good chair shot to, to Bubba Ray in this match. Like I, a stiff, I think so. chair, chair shot. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, Bubba and Matt take that huge tumble uh, from the top of the ladder onto the four tables. Yes. Who did it at SummerSlam? Because they did that same spot, but I don't, this time it was two people. In, in SummerSlam, I think it was just one of them. That I think it was over. just. I want to say it was just Bubba that tipped over. Yeah, that you're probably right on that. It's been a while since I've seen SummerSlam, but but yeah, no, that bump is incredible because the tables literally like explode, like into it shatters into like so many pieces. Um, I'm a stickler also for like when things don't like go right, like oh, that, like this could have been perfect if this didn't happen. Where Jeff Hardy, I think, has three ladders set up, and he tries to yes. cross all three, but he ends up falling on that third one. It's like, oh, man, if he just would have nailed that, like this would have been like a six-star, like all-timer, like tag team uh, title. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. That's just me being uh, nitpicky, but it, it's still a super fun match. Um, obviously, the crowd's super into it. I'm sure it was super louder in person. Um yeah, what what more do you want at a, at a big event like that with just creating like huge moments? And um, did you think the right team won? Because pretty much it wasn't it always like Edge and Christian winning these things. Like, damn, like can the Hardys get one? Or, <laughs> the Dudleys even like Edge and Christian always somehow like managed to win. Yeah, um, I for for the whole heel face dynamic. Yeah, Edge and Christian were the right winners. But being a pro Hardy's kid, I was like, "Oh, the Hardy this is their match. This is the ladder match. This is the TLC. They need to do it." But they never did it. So like the perfect one would have been SummerSlam because I think it was in Carolina at that time. I was like, "Oh, that's where they're from. Like get let them get the hometown win even though <laughs> WWE likes to be assholes and they always embarrass the hometown kid." Yeah, I was like, "There's the there's that jinx where if you're in your home slam, your hometown, you're guaranteed to lose that." <laughs> For sure. But yeah, no, you go back to WrestleMania the year before, the triangle ladder match, which was kind of like the almost the genesis of what TLC ended up becoming. Edge and Christian win that one. I think they mm-hmm. win at SummerSlam again. And then here they, they win this one as well. It's like they didn't give these other guys like a chance to shine. I don't know. From from creative, a booking, like, come on. Give one of those guys a moment. Well, and a couple of weeks later, we have TLC4 on a random SmackDown episode. Oh, you know what? I, that actually might be my favorite one because that one – that one's all kinds of nuts, and especially what yeah. they got away with on live TV. Well, not live, but uh, just uh, it was taped back then. SmackDown was, but oh man, the violence that was going on in that match was incredible. Yeah, it's up there. I think that's the match where Benoit like breaks his neck and like yes. he's for a year and a half. Yeah, no, that that was a really intense match. Oh, I I might actually watch this after the pod. I mention it. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good TLC match. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so back to back, like this is where the show starts to really get going. But before the the final two matches, we do have the gimmick battle royal that we do have to get to. Yeah, I want to know what the mindset was. McMahon's got all this amazing Attitude Era talent. Like there, even in the lead up to it, I remember watching. I've watched a lot of these Raws back recently, and uh, there's really like no build to like this being like a real thing on the pay-per-view. Like they mentioned it like towards like the go home show, like, Oh yeah, there's going to be all these classic like characters from the past <laughs> that are going to compete in this weird battle Royal. And I was like, what? Like it just doesn't, like, it didn't fit with this. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like they do it now. And it's like, it makes sense. Cause like they don't have like that many stars anymore. Like if they did it today, you'd see like 
I don't know, like the Hurricane and you know all these characters. I mean, they do it in the Royal Rumble, but you know, yeah. I can see them doing that now. But back then, like they didn't need something like that because they had the huge stars to give more time to. Like I said, this you eliminate this match, give it, give Edge and Christian, give the TLC two match more time, or Undertaker Triple H, or or Kurt Angle Benoit. Like I don't, I just feel like this did not feel anything at all like it needed to be on the show. This was another one where the entrances were so damn longer than the actual match. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I'm going off. You go ahead on this gimmick battle royal. Tell it's me why you nice, like it. It's a nice nostalgia pop. Uh, heck, we even had... Um, Jim Bob- Cornette's in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gene Okerlund doing the commentary. That like, I did like. This was like really one of the last times where we saw Bobby the Brain Heenan as we remember him because I know he kind of got sick after that and <laughs> Even when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, I think it was in 2004, mm-hmm. already showing signs of like, oh man, like this was, uh, I mean, it, obviously we all get old, but I mean, you know, you like to remember certain stars in a certain way. And like Bobby Heenan at that time, he was still Bobby the Brain Heenan. So mm-hmm. that, that was nice to rewatch. Yeah, um, another, I mentioned earlier how Linda had one of the biggest pops of the night was surprisingly another huge pop was Doink the Clown. Really? <laughs> yes. Doink. Uh, actually, I'm watching the DVD again, and you can hear the pop, like, huge for Doink. Huh. I have no idea why. I guess he's a memorable character, but he had one of the biggest pops of the night. And uh, Kamala is in this. Kamala. And he, Doink. And he gets one of the biggest heat reactions. <laughs> X-Pac heat level. Oh, it's, man. So when once uh, Kamala gets eliminated, then it's like, oh yeah, they got the guy out, got out doing. Gosh, I don't remember. I think I may have been like looking at my phone at this time because I had been paying attention <laughs> to the whole show. But when that came up, I was like, no, I've had yeah, enough of yeah. this. <laughs> Texas, uh, the state of Texas is just—it's a huge wrestling state. Uh, San Antonio is a big wrestling town. Houston's a huge wrestling town. Dallas. So whenever you have old school or nostalgic acts like this, people are going to pop, especially it's like Mania. And so, who else was in here? Like you had. Uh, Hillbilly Jim, um, Brother Love, Jim Cornette, like you mentioned. Um, Jim Cornette wasn't even a wrestler. That's what makes him popular. <laughs> the goon. The racket. <laughs> the goon. Yeah. Um, but Michael P.S. Hayes was another guy who got oh, a the free bird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Bushwhackers got a huge pop. And then uh, the Iron Sheet won it. So, yay. Yeah. I break your back or I suplex you. The only, the only reason why he won is because his doctor <laughs> didn't let him take a bump. So, <laughs> the only reason why he won. Oh my gosh! Um, it was a fun match. Uh, I'll just say I enjoyed Bobby Heenan and me, Gene Okerlund. I love the commentary. Bobby Heenan's also one of my—he's uh, an underrated, like one of the greatest commentators. I mean, I know he's more known for his manager and being a character, but his commentating, like him and Gorilla Monsoon, were just an unbelievable team. Even him and Gene Okerlund, at some point, they would do like their Saturday morning shows, and they were great together. Oh man. He's such a great, like, heel commentator. Love it. He's one of the best. For sure. All right. Now we're getting to the nitty-gritty, the final two matches of the show. Um, we kick it off with The Undertaker versus Triple H in a grudge match. Um, didn't kind of really understand the buildup to this. And a lot of this is weird to me because in the previous month at No Way Out, their previous pay-per-view, Stone Cold and Triple H had – blown off their feud they fought in this huge two out of three falls match the three stages of hell a match i create i created that title that title of that match is mine 
I, <laughs> I saw that 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 was what the match was called. I was so mad. I was like, I made this match. I literally called it that. All my friends made fun of me. Like, oh my god, look what they did to you. And I was like, oh man, I was so like, broken. Like you created it, like in your wrestling figs, or in my, in my and like we used to do backyard wrestling, and I okay. created a match like that where it was a two out of three falls. You do a gimmick for each one, and, and I literally called it three oh. stages of hell. When I saw that, I was my heart broke, and I was like, "Man, if I ever come up with an idea again, I'm gonna patent it." Um, so I've never forgiven them for that. <laughs> um, so you're doing royalties, man. <laughs> I know. So Triple H and Stone Cold fight in that match, and Triple H wins. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, that's weird booking on Austin's road to WrestleMania. Like, how does he? How does Triple H win, and then Austin still gets to get a title match? Like, you figured it would. <laughs> you figure the number one contendership changes. And then, so I don't know how, I forgot how Triple H ends up feuding with The Undertaker. I forgot what the storyline was. I don't know if you remember more. He comes out on an episode of SmackDown and he talks about how he's the game and he's beaten everyone that there is to beat. He's beaten The Rock, he's beaten Austin, he's beaten Angle. Then Taker comes out and he's like, well, you've never beaten me. And if you try me, I'll make you famous. Oh, okay. So it's this old school, like, yeah, test me. Let's see what. Let's see what you got. You've beaten all these guys, but let's see. Let's see if you got what it takes against me. Um, the streak wasn't a thing yet, right? Or it wasn't really acknowledged at this time. They watching it back. They they mention it once. Uh-huh. They don't during like the buildup, but after he wins the match, uh, Jr. will say he's now nine and zero. But it's not until the next year uh, at WrestleMania eighteen where Taker, after beating Ric Flair, he puts up his hands and he's like one two three four five six seven eight nine ten, oh, and that yeah, yeah. was first established. But there's a brief reference to it at the end of this match that he's 9-0. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. Hot take for me. This is my favorite of their WrestleMania matches. Uh, I know they, they went on to have, like, more, I guess, more hyped-up matches because they were trying to follow Shawn Michaels and the streak was a, a bigger thing and the end of an era, Hell in the Cell, all that stuff. No, this to me was, like, their best match. And, and I'm not really a stickler for Triple H matches. It depends on who his opponent is. Same thing for Taker. Like, it depends who, who he's fighting. So I was like, man, how are these two going to mesh? It was a, a nice, like, brawl. They had a good wrestling match in between, but a lot of it takes place during, uh, in the crowd in the Astrodome. So I like that added touch of it. Uh, this is a fun match. I, this one, I can go back and, like, I'll sit down and pay attention to it. Like, I really enjoyed it. So we have a Motorhead coming out to, to bring oh out. Oh, my God, yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I mean, little old me had no idea who Motorhead was. But I just knew, like, oh, it's the guys who sing Triple H's song. That's cool. And so, like, the whole crowd was into it. And I'm a firm believer that you've never – you're not a true wrestling fan until you've experienced an Undertaker entrance at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so him just coming out on the motorcycle and just hauling ass right down the 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 long rampway was freaking goosebumps enticing. It was really cool. And at least in my opinion, this match is like the epitome of an Attitude Era match. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a street fight for like half of the match. <laughs> yeah. My my only complaint about this match is that referee Mike Kyoto is out for like 15 minutes. <laughs> Doesn't count out oh, that's true. Or, or Triple H because they're in the crowd for like 15 minutes or more than half the match. And he's just trying to sell in the middle of the ring, just all knocked out. That's true, right? Because it's just a straight-up match. Like, there's no yeah. no disqualifications or anything like that. So, yeah, I totally forgot about that. But it doesn't <laughs> feel like it when it, when it's going on. 
Here's the thing that could have elevated this WrestleMania to be like the top one for me, anyways. Imagine if Limp Biscuit was there live to play the Undertaker to the ring with Roland. Yeah. A couple of years later, at 19, which spoilers, that's actually my favorite WrestleMania. Um, oh. If they had, if they had used him to like, cool, you got Motorhead for Triple H, and then oh, Undertaker gets played out by Limp Biscuit. Like that would have been so sick. I was like, it would have worked out because like they have the theme of the pay per view. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if he maybe wasn't available. But I fear WWF should have made a call at that time. Like, hey, can you come play out The Undertaker? It would have been so sick. That that would have been really cool. And they, uh, they got him for the wrong Undertaker match. <laughs> I know, right? In a throwaway tag, whatever. <laughs> As a handicap. Cause, uh, oh, that's right. They didn't trust they Nathan Jones. Jones. <laughs> oh, but no, uh, Taker versus the game was awesome. Um, being there live, like we couldn't see the match because obviously they were in the crowd. Yeah. But the crowd was super into it either way. But the drama of it was good with the sledgehammer at the end. And yes. So what is it? Undertaker picks him up for the 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 last ride, and Triple H gets the I think the sledgehammer at the end, and it looks like he's gonna hit him. I know he hits him at some point, but I think the second time where you think he's gonna hit him again, and then he just nails him with the last ride and and wins. It's like it was a classic Taker win. Oh, I know I mentioned that this was my favorite of their WrestleMania matches. Does this one rank one, or do you like the other ones better? Or? This was probably my second favorite. Uh, my favorite is still going to be WrestleMania 28, the Hell in a Cell mm-hmm. era. Um, it's the culmination of three different feuds, or two different feuds, yeah. like versus Sean, uh, Triple H versus Taker. Yeah. Um, that match, ugh, chef's kiss. Mm, nice. Okay. That match arguably has like the greatest uh kick out moment of all time where it's Sean super kicking taker immediately into a pedigree. Oh and, yeah. And two like uh two and three fourths and wow kick out. Wow. I have to rewatch that match. I know it's super long too. It happens early in the pay per view and it's like I think it goes for like an hour almost and like Yeah, yeah. It's it's good though. It's it's definitely worth the rewatch. But yeah that one that one would be my favorite. Taker versus uh, Triple H match. Okay, awesome. No, but this one's still good. The one at seventeen. It's oh, absolutely. Uh, it's an it's a classic old school feud, and obviously it would continue on in a different fashion. But that feud doesn't end there, and that leads us to the main event of the show. Uh, the two, I believe, the biggest stars ever in pro wrestling. This even includes Hulk Hogan. I, I just think Stone Cold and The Rock are so synonymous. Uh, in the mainstream and even to this day you talk to youngsters and the the names that they'll mention more i don't hear hogan anymore it's always austin and and the rock and obviously the rock is bigger now because in terms of movies and as an overall like celebrity he's bigger but wrestling wise it was always austin and then rock so what better way than to end off the attitude era than with these two guys battling for the wwf title rock coming in as a champion austin winning the royal rumble uh, setting to challenge the winner uh, or whoever was a champion at that time. So, yeah, it, it was a collision course that was going to happen. Um, Austin had been injured in November 99 with the neck injury. He was out almost an entire year, uh, comes back like late September, and you get little glimpses of him and Rock coming together like to, to stand offish. Uh, most notably, I don't know if you remember Armageddon 2000, uh, in the six man hell in the cell match, like they're all, all these six guys are being the shit out of each other. But then there's a moment where it's like Austin and Rock like face off, 
And it's like, oh, like, are they teasing? Is something going to happen down the road with these two? And then it happens again at the Royal Rumble, and like the crowd's into it. And I'm just like, dude, like this match has to happen again. Like mm-hmm. them at the the very very top of their games. Um, the build up to it was beautiful. Obviously, we mentioned uh, throughout this show, Limb Biscuits My Way" was the theme song, and to me, it's still like a top five music video for a, for a match. It's just one of the greatest ever. Um, talk about the lead up to this and your 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 memories going into this match, how you were feeling, and uh, who were you rooting for? I was one of the only people in the entire Astrodome rooting for The Rock. Interesting. Um, it's a Texas – it's pro stone coat all the way. It's a Texas thing. Hmm. Um, but I had my Rock uh, like sign, like, go Rock, go. And my dad had his stone coat sign. He's going crazy. Um, you mentioned earlier how there was a lot of foreshadowing in the buildup uh, for the main event, Vince saying how you want shocking, you'll get shocking. Yeah. Uh, there's also right before this match starts, there's a, you see the rock uh, walking down the, the backstage area, going to the ring with the WWF title. Yeah, yeah. The crowd is just booing because they, they hate the rock. <laughs> uh, then they show Austin, like just looking at himself in the mirror, like very intensely. Yeah. And you can tell, like shit's going down. Yeah. At, you don't know what kind. So it's like, Oh wow. What's, what's he thinking about? And then watching it again, it's like, oh, man, like he knows the decision he made and it's, it's, it's about to happen. So um, the My Way video package starts and it's one of the best, as you mentioned, uh, one of my personal favorites, if not my favorite wrestling promo of all time. Um, who was the first one out? Austin, right? Yeah, was- Austin came out. The traditional Austin- the way I like it, the challenger comes out first. Mm-hmm. So, Aust- yeah, Austin comes out first and earth shattering the loudest pop I've heard in my life, not just like uh, in person, but like even on the DVD, like it's, it's loud. It erupts. And so he comes out uh, to the disturbed version of his song, which is actually one of my favorite things. It's underrated. I love it. I wish. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um, So he comes out, he's doing his poses. The rock comes out and the rock gets a huge pop in the beginning. As soon as the, if you smell uh, comes in, but as soon as he comes out in person, get out of here and um the camera pans back to austin and he just has this uh no pun intended this stone cold eye on not just the rock but the title as if he's gonna do anything to win that title and it's oh it's so beautiful the camera angles when wwe tries they knock it (laughs) apart and this is prime example um so the rock is doing his pose in the ring uh Throwing up the WWF title, which is my favorite title, is that blue wing. Oh, yeah, that I 100% agree with you. I'm mad uh, that I don't own it yet or I haven't gotten a replica, but yeah, I need to get it at some point. Yeah, me too. Um, although one of my one of the things I miss the most, uh, just wrestling in general, um, is flash photography. Yes, for some reason that just adds an extra aura. And so whenever Rock and Austin go up for their poses, you just see literally thousands upon thousands of flashing bulbs just going off yeah. and adds to the epicness that's just about to happen so rock goes up does his pose comes back down and just as he turns around boom <laughs> and decks him and the match just starts it right. goes it goes zero to 100 like like nothing and as they're duking it out you see austin try to go for a stunner he misses he tries to get the belt and wax the rock. So automatically you're like, okay, this is a different Austin. He's, 
he's doing heel tactics and no exactly. get up on it until the end. But um, yeah, go, uh, I'm, I don't want to go off too much. Oh, go ahead, dude. I love here. I'm glad that you brought that up because as I rewatched this and I've seen this match hundreds and dozens of times and, and the lead up to it and everything, but how smart Austin and rock are. And especially they know their characters and they know the story that they want to tell. If you, if we, if we knew what we know now back then, we would have been like, he's 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 gonna turn heel. Like he's yeah. totally being a heel uh in the in the build up to it. I don't know if you remember the uh there was a sit down interview that JR does with the Rock and Austin like backstage in the locker room, like super yeah. I think it was like on a smackdown. And it's just them talking backstage and the rocks, you know, just speaking like a champion. But when they start you see Austin like getting mad with like JR, like just annoyed with like questions and talking about how obsessed he is and saying how he needs to win. Like not that he has to beat him, like he needs to win. Like just yeah. very, very uncharacteristic of, of, of Austin. Like, I don't know. There were just shades of it that felt different. And like you said in the match, like from the get go, like he just starts beating the crap out of him. There's no stare down, no face off, tries to whack him with the belt. Like you said, I'm like, that's total heelish move and throughout the whole match like it's austin acting like a heel mm-hmm. taking off the turnbuckle pads like austin, the the badass austin didn't do any of that stuff he would just whoop you and you know yeah brawl with you and all that stuff and but he's doing all these weird things but you know me being an austin homer and me watching it you know i think i was in middle school at the time i'm just like yeah stoke call yeah do whatever you can beat the beat the crap out of the rock, <laughs> whatever I'll do whatever it takes to win um but yeah, when, but when you watch it now and the way we've studied, I know you study like the psychology and stuff and little nuances and all these different things. It's like, man, like it was layered perfectly and, and nobody in the audience caught it like either. Like everyone was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, no, I just wanted to add that, but go ahead and keep talking about the match. Uh, another thing I forgot to mention is uh, at the last minute, um, the Fink uh, announces that the match is no disqualification. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Like, JR loses his shit. Yeah, he's like, no disqualification. When did that happen? <laughs> like, I'm in the crowd. Like, I, I know what no DQ means as a kid. And I'm like, whoa, some, some shit's going down. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a back and forth battle from the get-go. Um, Austin, throughout the match, is just uh, doing everything he can, using weapons. Um, the Rock is right up there with them. Um, and as soon as, uh, the stunner comes out and, you know, the rock does his, uh, his, flop, yeah. uh, his epic cells, which a lot of people don't like, but I must, I, I love it. I'm a huge oh, great for overselling. Um, so when that doesn't work, then you see Mr. McMahon coming out, he comes out and as a kid, um, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, Mr. McMahon is going to screw Austin. Yeah, the, the Rock's going to turn, right? Yeah, like the Rock, it's corporate Rock all over again. <laughs> man, uh, it's... But, oh, man, it just, it's weird watching it now. It's like, man, it was right there in front of our faces. Like, Austin was the bad guy that whole match. Even, like, if you watch a classic, like, heel versus uh, a baby face match, like, Austin's dominating that whole match. And me, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, that's just Stone Cold being awesome. But I'm like, no, like, The Rock is really, like, the underdog trying to fight his way back and, and try to get the momentum. So, yeah, when the McMahon thing happened, I was – I remember being like, huh? Like, okay, like, <laughs> whatever. Like, whatever, Austin's going to win the belt. I just want him to win. I don't care how he does it. 
And then uh, obviously that whole ending happens. Super violent. I think it, to me, it's still the most violent ending to a WrestleMania. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on that. or if there's- it, It's up there. Uh, definitely. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I was thinking of Lesnar versus uh, Orton, but that was at SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I I remember Austin asking McMahon for a chair. Mm. And like, what? <laughs> Why is he asking Vince for a chair? And so Vince gives him the chair and watch, whacks him, goes for a pin, kick out. And so that's when uh, Vince is like, damn, oh my God, just goes all crazy, just whacking on. Or uh, wrong word, I'm sorry. <laughs> Went all crazy on him um, eventually to get the pin. And my the funniest thing is that the crowd is oblivious. Um, if you've never been to a WWE show, there's no announcers. You can't hear anything. So I, like as a kid, I'm like, oh, man, that kind of sucks because I want to hear, like, JR's talk. And so oh, yeah. we have no idea. For all we know, Vince McMahon turned face and Austin didn't turn heel. So when the match is over, the crowd pops as if the Astros won the World Series. <laughs> it's intense. Um, but it's not until the the epic handshake of yeah. Stone Cold selling his, sell, uh, selling his soul to Satan himself. Yeah. <laughs> we understand the gravitas of, Oh shit. Like this really went down. Yeah. Um, so the McMahon thing happens in me, uh, in my mindset at the time, I was like, Oh, like, okay, cool. He helps him win. Austin's going to stun him at the end. Just, you know, I, I used you to whatever to accomplish, but then it doesn't. And like, they just start, they, they handshake pats him on the face. Austin's like, has his weird look on, like he's obsessed with McMahon or something like that. And then dumping beer on the rock and I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> if if you, you watch, you can watch the crowd too. Like they're all excited, but they're also like, what the hell's going on? Like, yeah, absolutely. It's but really there were a lot, weird. <laughs> there are a lot of people like in, in my section that were just like, what's going on? Like, do we keep clapping? Is this, <laughs> this what we really wanted? And so i me, I'm pro rock this entire night. I'm like, see, I told you. <laughs> but it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was a, it was fun for me as a Stone Cold fan because I just wanted him to win. I just wanted him to be the champion again, mm-hmm. um, so I was happy on that end. But then, like the aftermath of it, so like that WrestleMania ends right, like it, Austin and McMahon walk off. Rock's there, like bleeding and just draped in beer, and then they cut away <laughs> to the, the Limp Biscuit music video. I was like, how can you end it like that? So <laughs> WrestleMania is supposed to end happy, like that's that's the way WrestleMania is always supposed to end. Yeah. So I found that to be very weird, even though the music video was freaking awesome. And it just mm-hmm. recaps everything. You're like, well, what what happens now? Like, So The Rock ends up leaving uh, WWE to go film The Scorpion King. Yeah. Because The Mummy Returns had to come out that year. Because Rock already, already kind of had one foot out the door. was already mm-hmm. pushing towards Hollywood. So um, he went off and did that. Stone Cold would go on this amazing heel run, which I love. But for business-wise it wasn't good because it turned a lot of fans off. And I think a lot of the mainstream fans drove away after that. Cause then nobody wanted to watch stone cold, be a coward heel or anything like that. I want to see him be a badass and, you know, beat the boss and, you know, just drink beer. Like, I mean, even though he would still do it, but I don't know. It was, it was a, it was a weird time uh, for WWF, especially with them acquiring WCW. You would think like, Oh man, they're about to get all these amazing stars. And then we didn't get that, so I mean I don't I I know you mentioned earlier that that you loved the the invasion angle, but 
overall in terms of the business, um, how, what are your thoughts on post uh, WrestleMania and what happened with the company? A lot of things changed. Um, it started off promising. The next night on Raw, you had uh, the birth of the two-man power trip, which would have been cool. Uh, two badasses just wreck- wrecking shop all over the company, but Triple H was quad. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even a couple of weeks into it. So, again, you had to turn the tide. And the invasion angle started. And l- like you just mentioned, like all these guys didn't didn't jump over. We had no Goldberg. We had no Hogan. We didn't have uh, Sting, no Luger. Uh, we had DDP, but he was doing <laughs> weird stalker gimmick that unfortunately just derailed his chances of ever being somebody in WWE. Right. Um, I think the only person who really benefited from the uh from the alliance was rvd maybe rvd and booker t kind of because booker t ended up having to yeah he ended up getting a run so i mean i'm not the biggest fan of booker t but he at least became something there Mm -hmm. um it was a lot of fun a lot of coulda woulda should have um it should have been the biggest storyline of all time right was the culmination of wcw and ecw versus wwf but it was just a letdown um, although some of my favorite moments in wrestling history was during that whole alliance angle, um, one being uh, Milko Mania. Oh, with Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Oh, freaking love that segment. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, Stone Cold just, uh, he beat Kurt Angle at SummerSlam. Um, and the next night on Raw, they have like a Stone Cold Appreciation Night. Yeah. And uh, um, Kurt Angle comes out. In a milk truck, very similar to how Stone came out in a beer truck uh, back in the day, and just douses everyone with milk. Oh, great. You just hear JR screaming, Milkomania! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> the, the billion dollar princess is a Dairy Queen! <laughs> I love that line. One of my favorite moments oh, of You're right. So many coulda, shoulda moments. Even when The Rock came back, I don't know, just something felt different. Like, I don't know. And the roster was good. Like, they had a lot of good wrestlers, but just the way they botched that angle, like, what what was really interesting to me, and I've always tried to find out, I've even tweeted at, like, Dave Meltzer and stuff, like, what was the plan if Triple H hadn't gotten injured? Like, what were they leading? Were they going to lead to Triple H versus Austin? Or, I, I don't know, like, would Triple H have been the leader of the alliance? Or would Austin have ever would he have stayed a baby face? Cause I know they were going back to that until they swerved again. Yeah. Uh, a lot of weird decisions that were made. Um, and then ultimately, and then, yeah, the survivor series thing was, I like the build up to it, but like, I don't know, just, it was weird. It all culminates to the, the winner take all survivor yeah. series. Match. And uh, like only two of the, the people involved in that 10 man elimination were like WCW. Right? <laughs> Everyone else is WWF like come on guys although that baby also had a really cool uh song i think it was puddle of mud yeah controlled by puddle of mud yeah it was really good they had a uh, it felt kind of like the way it is now where they had at that point because they were they had both the wwf titles and the wcw titles and people were swapping belts all the time and mm-hmm. you know the wwf title goes to the alliance the wcw title goes to the wwf it was it was just so weird the matchups were weird um, 
Jericho and The Rock fight for the WCW title, but they're both WWF guys. Like, yeah, what's yeah. going on? And it's like this was where we could have gone like a Rock Sting match or something like that. That would have, I mean, if they if Vince McMahon would have really gone out of his way to try to get these guys to come over, because um, I know they, I think they were just sitting on contracts, right? Like to get paid, they just stayed home and, and yeah. So money. they were all signed like with these million dollar contracts from Time Warner, and mm-hmm. so um, WWE had the option to, to buy them out. And so that way they can come over. But a lot of them were just like, no, I'm just going to stay at home and I just get paid. Although fun fact, uh, Sting was on the fence. He was actually one of the guys that would have came over, but apparently the story goes is that he was watching an episode of raw where the rock came back and he was doing a promo with Booker T and how Booker, uh, the rock introduces himself to Booker T and The Rock is saying his catchphrases like, who in the blue hell are you? Mm. He took offense. He was just like, how do you not know who Booker T is? He's a five-time WCW champion. So if this is how they're booking Booker T, how are they going to book me when I get up right. there? And so I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see his point. I mean, to an extent, he is right. It was pretty pretty crappy the way they booked him for WrestleMania 31. But yeah, uh, I just but- think if they would have gotten a united front like him, Goldberg, uh, Mysterio, even Hogan and, and Nash or whatever say, Hey, like, let's come in, let's let's do some like real good business. And, you know, we'll keep each other's backs if they try to do whatever. I don't know the backstage, Absolutely. Or whatever. Absolutely. I feel like the momentum of wrestling could have gone even higher had it gone that route. Mm-hmm. I, know, just, I mean, again, I'm like you, like during that, that whole summer and everything, I enjoyed all of that shit. Like back to my youth, you know, I would record every raw, every SmackDown, Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have UPN and Laredo, so I would watch SmackDown like on Saturday at like 1 a.m. So I'd stay up and I record all of it, and you know I enjoyed all of my favorite time as a wrestling fan was that summer of 2001. Even though it wasn't like the best product anymore, but they were yeah. still putting out like fun stuff that you could enjoy. Oh yeah, you had Austin singing Kumbaya. Yeah, all the the Austin. I mean, even though the heel turn turn was a bad business move. You still got like some pretty fun stuff out of it. Um, I loved him as the cowardly heel that he was such a hypocrite. It was so great. Like <laughs> that's my, my favorite kind of heel. Um, and the stuff he did with Kurt Angle was great. Their feud was awesome. Um, you, I mean, you had some gems in there, but like you know, God, freaking DDP's the threat to the Undertaker. That's that's the feud. <laughs> like, oh, you everybody wanted Undertaker Sting. Like that was the whole point. Like yeah. to this day, people still want that match for some reason even though they're both way past their prime way 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 past their prime do you think it would have worked as a boneyard match um depends uh as far as like what they were willing to do um Mm -hmm. for someone like aj styles it's perfect because you could throw them around and do all this different stuff i don't know if you watched the the AEW revolution pay-per-view but yeah sting did some stuff but like you know for the most part you could tell like he didn't do a lot of the big stunts so you need somebody to do that, like for it to yeah. really work. At least in my opinion. I can see that. Um, I want to say, what was it? WrestleMania 27. I don't remember if you remember this, but um, there were these promos for a few months of how there was this, this mysterious figure in the rain outside of this cabin. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, it was supposed to be staying, but it ended up not being staying. <laughs> So it was supposed to be Taker versus Sting in Atlanta, but that didn't happen. You resigned with TNA. Sad face. It's. I think it's going to be like a top three. Like, what if? 
these two would have met type thing. Same thing with like you know like a Goldberg Austin like what would have happened if they although I think that match would have sucked like their styles don't mesh at all like on paper like that looks awesome like an Austin Goldberg but it wouldn't have worked. Um, same thing with like Austin Hogan that's another one that would have, it like the buildup would have been tremendous it would have, that should have been like to me like I'm I'm always bitter because I'm like. Why are they treating Rock like he was the biggest star of the Attitude Era? That was Stone Cold Steve. <laughs> but I was like, okay, if you if you watch the match, like, yeah, the Rock works better in that role, like, because Austin would totally no sell like him hooking <laughs> up. He would have just like, I don't know, he would have given him the Flicked finger him and kick him. Yeah, <laughs> the Rock can play like, oh my god, he can make those big eyes and act like a coward. Um, so in hindsight, yeah, like, but at the time, I really wanted it to be Austin. That's the biggest wrestler of all time. Like, and you had him fight Scott Hall a year later. Like, what the hell was that about? It's a no build whatsoever. No build. I mean, it was build, but like, really, that's who you're gonna stick the one of the greatest ever with, like, at your biggest show. Like, man, that just goes to prove like Vince McMahon does get tired of your main star at some point. Like, he does like yeah, to move it, on. Yeah, it used to be that uh, your two biggest stars of the year would be the main event at Mania, right. and. WrestleMania X7 is prime example. You had Austin the Rock. There was nobody yes. else in love at that point. But now it's just like, oh, what do we do? We're just gonna yeah. toss these guys in and like, all right, we're good. Yeah. It's a very weird time nowadays. Yeah. All right. So let's go back into the the legacy of this show, like twenty years later. What do you think about it? Is it that people still talk about it as one of the greatest pay per views ever? Like, what do you think that is? Um. Part of it is the nostalgia factor. Um, this was, like I mentioned earlier, uh, to a lot of people's opinion, the, the end of the Attitude Era. Like, this was their childhood. This was, this was the epitome of that um, era. Mm-hmm. You also have the, the clips, the moments that have been, like, inbreded in the memory of a lot of old-school wrestling fans, like Edge doing the spear off the ladder, um, the Austin heel turn, um Shane doing the coast to coast all these are nice throwbacks so uh for lack of a better term a better time in wrestling mm. um and it's also a, a fun watch uh, this is one of the few manias uh especially in the early 2000s late 90s that you can pop on DVD or watch on Peacock or the network and have a solid show mm. yeah some stinkers in there uh, but every mania has some yeah yeah this one, from for the most part, from top to bottom, is a solid show, and it was Austin and Rock at their prime. So, if even if you're not a wrestling fan, I like to tell people like, "Hey, you know Dwayne Johnson, right? Like, hey, watch this match." <laughs> but although, side note, um, uh, a couple of a couple of months ago, uh, oh no, I think it was about a year ago when Jumanji came out. Um, I was, I was at work and I was helping out some kids, you know, buying concessions or whatever and, um, making small talk with the guests, you know, and one of the, one of the kids, he's like, maybe a teenager. He's like, Hey, sir, did you know that Dwayne Johnson used to be a wrestler? I was like, Oh, uh-huh. oh. kid, uh, my heart. It's like, Oh, one, I feel old. And two, yeah, we're old. <laughs> <laughs> And two, you want cultured swine? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Wayne Dawson was a wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrestling? Uh. Oh, man. But yeah, um, uh, and also on a personal level, this was just 
it's it's my favorite match. I have a personal connection because I was there. Yeah, but, yeah, I get that. But um, yeah, this is one of the best, if not the best. Um, I know you said that nineteen was your favorite. Nineteen is a solid show. It has a lot of great matches, but at least for me, seventeen is just gonna eke it out just a little bit. You're, I totally agree with you on it being like a, a a nice watch. It's not like it doesn't overstay its welcome, even though it's almost four hours. But it doesn't feel like it when you're watching it, and that's something WWE used to be really good at. They knew the time constraints and what to to let go on for a while and what just needed to get out of the way. So like as I was watching it, I was like, oh man, like this is flowing like really awesome, and it's three hours and forty five minutes. But like nowadays, it's like man, it feels like. I know they're like four or five hour shows, but they feel even longer for some reason. I feel like they forgot to know how a show flows. Uh, and yeah. I think a lot of it is um, they forgot. I, I think they've forgotten how to do like backstage segments and when to incorporate like video packages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Be like really perfect with that. They've kind of stumbled on that. Like I feel within the last couple of years, but man, like these shows now are sometimes hard to sit through because it just feels like a long, long these matches go longer and longer and some of them don't need to. I forgot which mania. Um, it was the one with the uh, Ronda Rousey triple threat. Uh, 35. Which, that was freaking 35. long event. It was like seven hours. Yeah. I can only imagine what the crowd in New York were just like, because in, in Texas, at least the match, the paper didn't end midnight. Mm-hmm. So I guess in New York it was like what? Two in the morning. That, yeah. It's intense. What? Well, was that the was seventeen the only mania you've been to, or have you been to other ones? Seventeen was the only one I went to. Um, I had the opportunity to go to twenty five, but I I didn't take it, and I regret it to this day. Um, although maybe it's just me being a Texas kid. Is I feel like we've had Texas has had some of the best manias with twenty five and seventeen. Why can't we get it into the Elmo Dome? Is that so hard to ask for WWE? Like right, right. Every, everyone talks about that. I, uh, anytime I talk to other wrestling fans, they're like, "Hey, why do you think they never did it in the Alamo Dome?" I don't know. Mm-hmm. They, they did it for the Rumble. Why? What? What is so like? I mean, the look of like if you watch the Rumble from that Alamo Dome, especially the one in 2017, like it's got the look mm-hmm. of a WrestleMania. Like you can yeah. put it off in there. Like it, it feels huge, and it was nice. I feel like it would do great sales, especially down here in the Hispanic community, because it's re- like you said, wrestling's huge down here. Like it would just, it would be, it would do a lot of good for the city, but also it's, I think it would do a lot of good for the brand, like just to show up in a city like this. Because I know San Antonio, they, they like to say is like not a big market, but shit, we have an NBA team. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff that has come out of here. So I don't know. Absolutely. I, um, One of the greatest of all time is from San Antonio, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's right there. You can even have him come out in uh, as the colonel from KFC. Remember when Shawn Michaels did that? God bless. Oh, Some of God. these guys just don't understand. Like, you can say no to stuff. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, well, I guess uh, more eyes on the product, I guess. Yeah. Um, A couple more questions before I wrap this up. I don't want to keep you. Yeah, sure. Long. Um, if you could time travel back to 2001 um, and you could book – this show would you have done the austin heel turn or would you have done things differently maybe he does turn heel without mcmahon or would you have kept it straight up would you have kept the the no disqualification thing like what would you do differently if at all the only, the only thing i would do different is immediately after the handshake austin just stuns mcmahon and just gives him the middle finger like i i used you to get to the top 
and the next few weeks on Raw would just be like, wait, is he a heel? Is he a face? Did McMahon know what he was getting himself into? What's going on? I feel like that dynamic would have been – it would have made sense too. Yeah. But, yeah, that's what I, that's the one thing I would change. Yeah, it's perfect because then it would also – you can even get Triple H in that mix. Like, well, what's going on with this guy? Like, this is he in cahoots with you? Is he not? Like, should I trust this guy? Should I not? Or what's going on? Like, that would have been an interesting route to take. I like that. I like that. And lastly, and this is now we can segue into the present day. Um, we'll be watching this WrestleMania and also what, what match are you looking forward to? At this <laughs> I am, like I mentioned in the beginning, I am loyal to a fault. I will miss any WrestleMania. <laughs> um, my goal in life is to live to at least watch WrestleMania 100. And okay. so if that doesn't happen, then damn it. I try, <laughs> but yeah, that's the goal. Um, yeah, um, there's a couple of matches I'm looking forward to, uh, Sammy versus Owens, um, even though there's like no, it's a weird build, <laughs> uh, Logan Paul's in it for some reason, um, I guess to get like the internet crowd in to get more eyes on the product, but Hey, they're, they're probably going to steal the show. Um, so that I'm looking forward to, uh, Cesaro and Rollins, I guess I'm looking forward oh, to. Oh, that's going to be tremendous. I'm really looking forward to that match. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be awesome. I think it's starting night one from what I've read. Um, I believe so, yeah. That would be a nice way to start it off. Um, the triple threat, uh, Roman's doing the best work of his career so far. I'm a huge fan of where that's going. Uh, I've always been an edgehead since he debuted, and I'm not digging this story right now. I don't know if it's just the way they're booking him or if they have no faith in him. They're just shoving Daniel Bryan into this. It so, feels weird, right, with Daniel Bryan this time around? Like, Yeah, like, and Edge had a pretty solid promo on, on SmackDown the other night and how Daniel's kind of just inserting his, him, him into this uh, this part. So I'm like, wait, yeah, is Daniel the heel in this? Why is he? <laughs> but it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, all three guys are coming back from, like, uh, uh, retirement or uh, Roman had his leukemia battle. And so this is going to be really, really good. Um, do you have a preference as to what you're looking forward to night one or night two? Uh, I hope I, I, I'm kind of done giving up on like, I want this to happen. But one thing I do kind of want to happen is I do want Sasha and Bianca Belair to main event night one. Okay. But I know you got Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley and I know they want to give Drew McIntyre his moment. I don't know if he's going to win, but they want to give him his moment in front of the fans. Cause I know he didn't yeah. get that last year, but who knows? I mean, Bobby Lashley's, kind of working as the almighty the almighty gimmick they could keep that going for a bit and have mcintyre chase for a while if they go that route i really do hope uh sasha and bianca do um main event because that has an old school build up to it you have the royal rumble winner straight up challenged her up for mania like there's no shenanigans yeah they're they're beefing uh but it's not like to a personal level yet it's more like competitive like i'm better than you and it's just this cool like title match and I think, I think A, it's history, but also, I mean, you have, like, I don't think it's ever been done before, but two African-American wrestlers headlining, like, a big show like that. I know it'd only be night one, but it's still a big deal to main event the show. I think that would oh, be yeah. awesome. And not Absolutely. only because, not only to do it just for, like, look, they, they did this first ever thing. I think they've earned it. Like, they, the, Sasha's been on fire ever since she won the title from Bailey. Bianca Belair has been outstanding. She's one of the ones that has translated well from NXT. 
even though there's some stuff that's taken away. But for the most yeah. part, she hasn't been hurt booking-wise. She always looks strong in every angle that she's been in. You go back to Survivor Series where, you know, she was the last one on Team SmackDown and she was eliminating everybody. Like, they made her look really good even though she lost. So, I don't know. This is a good opportunity for them to give them that spot to main event. So, I hope – that's the only thing I hope that happens. Yeah, I have a strong feeling it will, and rightfully so. They Both of them deserve it. Um, I'm pulling for Sasha in this one. Uh, I think she's doing some of the best stuff she's done in a while. Mm-hmm. Although I kind of do feel upset that Bailey's been getting the shaft, and she's not even on the card on both nights. Uh, well, we'll see. But she had a whole year, so like, like I said, Vince McMahon cools on you. Like you could have like a career year, but then they'll, they'll forget about you like quick. I don't know. It's weird in that company. Like the her business. They're, yeah. they're more. Sad. So dumb. Lastly, will you be watching? Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chris Jericho, the the Broken Skull Sessions, AEW so I, and WWE. I, honest, I honestly thought that was an April Fool's rib. And I was like, oh, man, that, that would be cool. And then, like, the next day they promoted it again. I was like, holy crap, like, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm actually looking forward to that more than Mania a little bit. So, yeah. I hope that premieres, like, like, on demand. Like, you can watch it Sunday morning or something like that before Mania starts. I hope it's not something where we got to wait to watch Mania and then then it'll be available because I really want to watch that. Um, even though I am excited for that, the triple threat main event. Um, but I do really want to see that. I want to see what their conversation is going to be about. They're going to mention AEW. You don't do something like that and like, you know, how to call it, have the elephant in the white room or whatever, or the big yeah, elephant yeah. and not acknowledge it. So they're going to talk about that. I know, I know Austin can kind of like hold back a little bit, but he's going to ask him at some point about AEW. So. That's do you think it's just? Do you think it's just going to be a quick like? Oh, what have you been doing the last few months since you left WWE? <laughs> no, it's going to be Steve Austin. Like, hey, man, doing some stuff in AEW, <laughs> some, some career stuff, man. You, I love it. Um, I could see that. Um, and then there was something that came out on Bleacher Report. Uh, it was like quoting Triple H, and it was asking him his thoughts on on that on Jericho appearing on that. And it's funny that Triple H said it like he said we're open for business as far as like cooperating like and working he said if it's right so i'm like don't tease us like that like (laughs) i mean i know we're in this cinematic universe world now but i feel like wwe needs to adapt to that to the times to do a crossover with like even if it's just impact or whatever it's something right yeah absolutely i mean at this point it'd be the biggest show of the year right and we'll have another invasion angle yeah some of their guys fight some of our guys um, I, there's still a few people that I know that are like, oh, this is all a rib. AEW is WWE. Uh, that's why it's there. That's why Big Show's there. I was like, no, it's, it's no, not. It's the same thing. But how great would it be? I figured, I think that would be, that would kind of bring wrestling back like into the forefront a little bit if they were to do something like this. So I don't know, maybe they'll, I hope he asked them something like that. Would you be open to like, them possibly crossing over soon or in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, just like with any, like back in the day, we'd always say like, oh, dream matches, right? Austin Goldberg, uh, Austin Hogan, rock this. Mm-hmm. And so I already picture all the fanboys saying, oh, Omega versus Rollins or, uh, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm completely down for it. Uh, I think it's going to be the, the start of something big. Or maybe it's just me being wishful and mm-hmm. who knows. I don't know. I just think from a business standpoint, 
Like Vince needs to see that that's like a that's a door that needs to be open because that's the world, that's what everybody loves to see now. Crossovers. Every mm-hmm. television show does it now. Law and Order. Grey's Anatomy does crossovers. Like that that's all <laughs> that's all it is now. Like people will tune in for that because it those are the event stuff now. Like mm-hmm. you totally promote Raws and Dynamites around stuff like that. You can promote pay per views on both ends with stuff like that. Like and it doesn't have to be all at once. It could be like sporadically done throughout like, you know, the years and stuff like that. I don't know. I think yeah, AEW has been the, the forefront of that. Uh, they've been working with Impact, with New yeah. Japan. So I'm hoping that WWE is finally being smart enough to be like, all right, let's do this. I feel like if Triple H takes over, like you'll be more open uh, to it. Open to it, but I don't know. It's it's just a waiting game until that happens. I guess. Right. I guess that's the next big thing we're waiting for. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, I I super appreciate you agreeing to do this with me. Um, it's been a blast reflecting on this show. I always love talking wrestling with you. Uh, hopefully, this isn't the last time I have you on this show. Uh, I'm always open for suggestions. So if you ever come across a topic or anything pop culture related, if you want to be like, hey, uh, can we do a show on this? I'm totally open to that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I, I always tell people, like I'm one of the biggest movie buffs, but the only thing I love more than movies is the great sport of professional wrestling. Right. So whenever you want me, I'll be yeah. back. Again, think about, uh, since I'm doing my 90s series, which is going to be coming back soon, uh, the, the 90s movies turning 30. If you, if you see some movies on your list that, that you want to talk about or let me know, well, I'll, I'll add it on there and we'll, we'll make a show about it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. We'll do. We'll do. All right, buddy. We'll take care. Um, say hi to your family for me and uh, I'll see you soon. We work in the same company. So at some point we'll cross paths and always talk wrestling with you. Yes, sir. All right, Thanks. buddy. Once again, I want to thank Raul Flores for joining me on today's show. As we reflected on the legacy of WrestleMania X seven you can, uh, well, you can't buy it anymore on like a physical copy, like a DVD. It's hard to find those. Those are usually around in the $100, $200 range if you're looking on eBay or something like that. But you can watch this show if you subscribe to the Peacock app where WWE, uh, all of their uh, library now exists or is going to exist. Eventually, all their stuff will be on there. They're still in the transition phase, so you know only some stuff is on there. But definitely all the WrestleManias are on there to stream. So if you ever want to... Uh, venture into more wrestling and, and see what it was like at its peak. Uh, WrestleMania X7 is the perfect show to watch. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Again, it is the start of WrestleMania week. So this is not the uh, final podcast as far as wrestling content is concerned. Mr. Brandon McLaughlin will return to the show later on. Um, and we'll be breaking down both nights of WrestleMania 37. All the matches on the card. Um, he's got some other topics in mind for us to discuss and yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun week. Uh, it's, uh, it's the grandest stage of them all. So I'm always going to be excited for WrestleMania, uh, season. Uh, it's coming to a head. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get some, uh, more news, uh, on this show before, uh, the next pod comes with Brandon and we'll, we'll be able to incorporate all of that. So. Thank you so much, and you can follow this podcast on Spotify. Search Palace Off the Top Rope. I would greatly appreciate it. I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through podbean.com. You can download the app. You can listen on your phone. If you've got an iPhone, 
There's an Apple Podcast uh, app that comes automatically on your phone and all that. You can search Palace Off the Top Rope there. Hit the subscribe button and leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. I'm still trying to grow this podcast as much as possible. So, again, thank you guys so much. And we'll see you later in the week as we preview this year's WrestleMania.